fans and welcome back to the Demonland Podcast. My name is Andy and Thor, the god of thunder himself, couldn't stop the Ds from locking in a top four berth and reclaiming top spot on the AFL ladder, a position we've now held at various times for more than half a year. Joining me tonight is longtime Demonlander George. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, everyone. And for those who don't know, tonight's podcast is being broadcast from the cardiac unit at the Royal Melbourne Hospital, which has been overrun with Melbourne Football Club supporter syndrome patients. Tell you what, they do it to me every week, even when you think, and and at and we'll go into this, but at three-quarter time, I was as positive as I've ever been. I was up and about. Uh, boy, things changed, uh, well, almost an hour later. <laughs> All right. We're also joining us tonight, uh, the guy that has been telling me I told you so all year, to year Bim Man. Good evening, Bim Man. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, George. Good evening, Demon Landers. And I've got a question for you, Andy. Um, did you... Uh, this I'm trying to get a gauge on how serious your, your MFCSS condition actually is. Now, I know we've talked before that you're doing very well in your uh, various tipping comps. Just <laughs> Not the like last time. <laughs> uh, did you tip Melbourne this week? No, but not because I didn't think oh. we would win. This is all as a ploy to to that I to the gods or the whoever for some reason I didn't pick us last week against uh, Gold Coast. I knew we were going to win and win well. Um, this is all just to try and appease some gods, and then they I don't know. It, it seems to you work. Didn't <laughs> you didn't tip us this week or last week. Nope. Okay, I was hoping very much you'd say you uh, tipped us no. <laughs> this week because I, um, I'm afraid you're. Why do you think we won? Worse than I thought it was because I'm on top of my tipping comp as I said last week and a couple actually, and um, it was really interesting to have a game against um, um, per, uh, West Coast in Perth um, in front of their home crowd and tip us to win. Uh, and look at all of the other tipsters in um, contention in my uh, various competitions who also all tip Melbourne to win, um, apart from you. <laughs> so, I... um, you know, it's a, and it's a great sign, isn't it, for where we're at a club is that other neutrals are confidently picking. And I thought I might be able to pick up a couple on, on the chasing pack, but, uh, you know, everyone pick Melbourne because that's what you do. You pick the team that's going to win. And if you're objective about it, we're always going to win that game. And that's what we did. When it comes to Melbourne Mines, it's not about tipping. It's all about um, psychological and reverse psychology. Um, and it seems to work this year. I won't be tipping us this week and I won't be tipping us against Geelong. Uh, so I take it you're out of your tipping competition. I, I was well up there, and it wasn't just the Melbourne games that that, that did <laughs> me in. It was some other games. Um, well, let's uh, let's continue. Um, well, let's start this thing. Uh, so we had pretty much an unprecedented situation, at least where D's fans are concerned. I've heard since then that this has happened in AFLW games. Uh, you know, the lightning was, or the threat of lightning. Do we actually know? Was there actual lightning? Was there... Um, it was within t- 10, 10 kilometres. That's the rule. If it's, um, there were a couple of posters on Demonland who were at the ground and um, who said it was surreal because it wasn't even raining and you couldn't hear thunder and... Um, so it must have been a ways away. Um, but I think it's what they were banging on about is within 10 kilometres they have to stop. Are they being too precious or is this a no H&S uh, thing? Well, I'd 
guess it's the rule to stop yeah. them getting electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> so stop our momentum, bin man. Come on. Um, you know, I think the AFL probably think, well, you know, we've got this season. Thus, you know, we've almost got it to the final. We don't need a the death. Thing we want is the um, the ladder leaders electrocuted. So, <laughs> I've got pictures in my head. You know, cartoons when you get electrocuted and you see the bones. Uh, um, so basically we were just waiting for the storms to pass, had everyone scrambling for the rule book to see uh, if we would be denied the four points or would split the points, whether the match would be abandoned and have to be replayed in part or whole. No one seemed to know what was going on. Um, I'll ask you guys a few questions without going into too much specifics about the first three quarters or the final result or indeed our performance after the break in play because we'll talk about that in more detail later. But would you have been content to take the four points at that time had the game been called off. We had that handy lead and, and that uh, at that point and, you know, would that have been accepted as a win by the wider football community? Would the legitimacy of the win be doubted? Do we even care about that? Uh, George, I might start with you. Absolutely, we take it. Um, uh, if you kick more goals than the opposition, uh, even in a normal game, you get to win the game and according to the AFL rules, which obviously... Um, Messrs. Taylor and all the commentators that the game struggled to be able to read. Um, uh, the rule basically says you have a 30-minute delay to the game uh, to recommence it. Um, we actually went 29 minutes, so they, they denied us that possibility with just another minute. Um, if that were to occur and the game is abandoned, then uh, the AFL rules say that the team in front in the second half uh, will win. Um, there's a slightly different rule for halftime, but I was astounded at all the rubbish that was coming from the various commentators about oh, whoever's in front at halftime and will it be played next week and all the other sure. options. Nobody bothered to actually look at the rules. They're pretty easy to find if you use Google, um, but uh, kept them occupied for a while. But yes, we would take it because we would win in any case. Oh, totally. I mean... <clears throat> That well, as to the question as whether it would have been accepted, I mean, we were smashing them at that point. Um, and if they hadn't, I mean, you know, who knows? It's all sliding doors, isn't it? But we got out to a 38 point lead, I think, wasn't it? Something like that. And um, we were pressing. Um, and um, the if it if we hadn't have gone off, the rain um, was pounding down. So at that point, when they went off, it was howling. Uh, the, the rain, so um, you know, there's no way they would have even got close if they'd stayed out there. Um, and the other thing was, um, um, Nick Mac was out on his feet totally. I mean, I guess we'll talk about this later, but he he was completely and utterly exhausted. So um, and so uh, so were a lot of them, and we'll get into that. So, so a lot of them. So there's no way. So the the wider footy community would have given that they had given it to Melbourne. You know, so of course I would have. Told, I would have much preferred them not to come out because I had no. I wasn't worried at all that they would um, reel us in, um, even when the game got going. But um, um, my fear was that uh, we'd get injured, we'd mm. cop an injury because, you know, what a recipe. It's like weird. They don't didn't do an on ground warm up, which was strange. They they wouldn't they have allowed them. I'm, I'm I'm sure that would have been an AFL directive that they can't go out until they're given the all clear. Well, I don't know why they wouldn't have sent them out for five-minute warm-up, then start the game because, you know, doing a run-through in the rooms and, you know, it's it doesn't seem a very good way to um, come out and prepare for intense football. And it's interesting, the, um, again, we'll talk about it later, but the, 
the stats suddenly skewed really heavily their way in terms of that last quarter and their, their intensity. And I was just, I was just, heart was in my mouth that one of our players had get injured. Um, it was, you know, I was just thinking this is a recipe for a bloody, um, you know, soft tissue injury or collision or, you know, whatever. Um, so if I was hoping, you know, when, as George said, they gave, you know, they've got access to the internet, they're broadcasters, they've got, you know, they've got a rule book, no, no doubt, at some point, um, you know, some accurate information would have been good quickly. And anyway, when it did come, it said 60 minutes, and I was counting it down and hoping it'd get called off. Well, I had uh, I had uh, Fox Footy on, and Eddie Maguire had his phone out, <laughs> reading, looking up the rules. So I saw no one uh, really knew what was going on. But I'll, I'll ask you this: Then we'll go on to the next point. How much stock do you take in our performance after that break? Uh, we were completely overrun by rampaging eagles. The umpiring was against us. Our horrible inaccuracy in front of goal almost cost us once again. Prior to the break, we had all the momentum. We had that commanding lead, as you mentioned. They looked gone for all money. You mentioned that too. Then we had almost half an hour break. Bodies cooled down. And remember, this is coming off last week where we spent a day on a plane. We had to back it up and play the next day. Then we had to jet straight off across the country. We're forced to quarantine for a week and then have to play in front of a hostile crowd. We came out firing. We got a good start in the game. Uh, and we'll talk about more of that later. We get rain back in in the second quarter, and it's at that point uh, that past demon teams would have capitulated and rolled over and then got rolled. Uh, and we did the opposite after half time. We took a commanding lead and effectively did everything we needed to do, but uh, weren't given the opportunity to finish it off. They, on the other hand, were given the opportunity to catch their breath. They were blessed with the opportunity to regroup and be given almost a second chance to give it everything, leave nothing on the field as they were effectively playing for a final spot. Our performance after the break was more akin to previous years where we bleed goals and can't stop a team on the run. Um, We haven't really seen that version of Melbourne all of this year, so how much stock do you take in our performance after the break, given all of the above, B-Man? Nothing could be taken from the last 15 minutes of that game, I reckon. Um, it wasn't like old Melbourne at all. I disagree. I think the only thing that you'd take from it was just uh, yet another reminder of how, um, you know, our poor kicking for goals and that it, it definitely will hurt us at some point. But we don't need any more reminders of that. Um, you know, we early on we had a chance, I think that was after the break, wasn't it, that Spargo had that ridiculous play on where he called, he would have had a shot from 40 metres, not that he would have made the distance. <laughs> he doesn't seem to be able to make the distance from 30 metres anymore. Um, but we went into save mode um, with a full 10 minutes of that game to go, so half a quarter. Um, and that's just way too, you know, that's a long time. Um, and But as a result, I think we conceded something like at least 10 plus inside 50s, something like that, uh, in a row. Um, I saw a graphic come up. Um, and they were just smashing us because we really just would put the um, the sort of go slow. Um, if anything, I reckon if once we decided to do that, um, we could have looked for more opportunities, even more opportunities to slow it down and chip it around more once we decided to um, not stop pulling the trigger and, and, and attacking. Um, but in the back of all of, you know, in addition to all of the things you were saying, Andy, is that in the back of all the players' mind would have been subconsciously having the game already sort of in the bag, not wanting to get injured. You know, there's so much to play for. Finals are, you know, in touching distance. Um, none of them would have, you know, wanted to get injured. And so 
consciously they're probably not thinking that. Subconsciously, um, um, I reckon that'd be in their mind. At one point, um, Lever fell really awkwardly. Um, and it was sort of, he was looking, you know, the, the ground was slippery. So as I said before, it was a recipe for a, um, a, an injury. And, um, you know, for me, it made sense. We saved energy. Um, we didn't press. We sort of avoided the, the um, contested ball. I, I don't know what the numbers were, but I've seen the contested ball numbers through the game and they ended up four ahead. But So they must have smashed us in that last 15 minutes in contested ball. Um, but, you know, the main thing is that we, we uh, didn't cop any injuries and we still won by nearly two goals. So it's not like they, you know, that they overran us. I didn't, we didn't have enough time. I thought we milked it pretty well. Um, so even if the game had have continued at the point when the, the lightning came, I reckon we would have done what we often do and put the queue in the rack anyway. It just would have been ended up being an eight, you know, seven, six, seven, eight goal win. Uh, as I was saying, the rain was, you know, lashing down. We'd trapped the ball in our forward half. So, you know, we were going to win that game. Um, and, I, and as I said, the thing that if it, Nick um, Natanui, I reckon, said, horribly overrated football and he is so unfit and we were running on top of the ground um, and that advantage was completely taken away. So, you know, I, I don't think anything can be taken out of it in terms of cr- criticising Melbourne or some sort of sign that we don't manage things well or, you know, if anything, I would have, you know, once they decided to go slow, they could have even gone slower and looked for the chip around pass a bit more. But, um, you know, that's probably a pretty mild critique. Uh, George? Yeah, nothing much more to add to that. Um, I'll just take away what um, Gorn said immediately after the gra- uh, match when he was interviewed coming off the ground where they said he they tried to relax and stay calm, but it didn't work. Um, uh, you always knew that West Coast were going to come out firing. They had nothing to lose. They'd been rested, as Binman has said, and, and you as well. And, you know, Nick Matt's only good for a short cameo appearance, and, and he had 15 minutes of cameo. Elliot Yo is probably the same. Um, and Goody in his post-match interview uh, noted again we were completely smashed around the contest post the um, return to the field. I think the really good thing is that um, in this situation, they were throwing absolutely everything at us in a, in a similar manner to what the second quarter was like, and we held up. Um, if the game had actually... If, if the um, resumption of play had actually gone on for another 10 minutes, for example, I reckon we would have won that game by five goals. They would have run out of steam. They'd thrown everything at us. Yeah. And they exactly. had nothing left yeah. in the tank, nothing left in the tank, which is what yeah. they were um, prior to the um, uh, lighting stuff uh, happening. So the really good thing I think we can take from this is you can be guaranteed that the opposition, when we get to finals, will do exactly the same. They will throw everything at us at some stage. We've now proven in a couple of games that um, we can hold up, the defence holds up strong, the rest of the team holds up strongly, and then we resume a normal operation. So in terms of preparations for finals, um, perversely, this is um, very good practice for us. Yeah, I, I reckon that's the two excellent points there, George. The, that one about us absorbing pressure and um, you know pushing away afterwards is spot on. It's, if you look at um, through the the season, we've done that so often where we've been able to absorb 
pressure from a team where, you know, as we've talked about, footy is so much a momentum game. Um, we've been able to absorb a team when they do get on top. Goodwin says it all the time is that it's inevitable the opposition will get on top at some point. Um, and, um, you know, I totally agree. They would have absorbed it if we weren't even looking to attack in that last 15 minutes. We just weren't even, you know, we weren't even trying to overlap run because we didn't need to. As you said, they, they're the ones who are motivated to do it and we absorbed that. If we needed to, we then would have pushed forward and, they, as you say, they were out on their feet and I know we'll talk about it, but that, um, I mean, for me that was a big feature of the third quarter is that they gave everything they could in that second quarter uh, and then it was our turn to throw the punch So uh, in the third quarter and they couldn't, they couldn't stand up to it. So um, the other factor in that, um, that, th- uh, that last 15 minutes was the umpiring was just appalling. Now, it was just ridiculous. Some of the frees they got, um, but as always the case, it's not the frees given, it's the ones mm-hmm. not given. And um, there was one where Gorn was shoved straight in the back and it was either Kennedy or uh, Darling um, who marked it, but he was shoved you know, clean in the back and they ended up scoring from it on, the, on their half-forward flank. Um, and that was just one of, you know, there were... I think there was something like in the last. I think I read on Demonland there was sort of something eleven two or something in that ten, last ten, quarter. Ten two in that last fifteen minutes. I, I ten two in that last fifteen minutes. That it's just. It, uh, I know we've talked about it before, but it's simply not on. And I don't mind if they're there. Um, the one that know. Kennedy got when he got a goal. Just yeah. the, the real the one the one of the really made me laugh. Um, it was um, or not so much the the free kick, but May's reaction was the free kick that Kennedy got from May um, supposedly shoving him. Yeah, that's the one um, I was talking about. Yeah, and one, it's just ironic because Gorn gets shoved in the back bloody 30 times a game. Um, but so May was just distraught and he says to him, he says to the umpire, I think the umpire said something like, yeah, no, you came late and shut, pushed him. And, and May said... This is in the contest. May said, I held back to not hurt him. <laughs> Like, and when they showed the replay, he did he, he instead of running through him like he could have because he was slightly late to the contest? Um, he uh, sort of opened his chest up and just bounced into him. Um, and then the other one was I can't remember actually if it was the last quarter, but maybe it wasn't the last quarter. But Rivers was given a, um, a free kick for push in the back, uh, and he marked it. Um, and as he said to the umpire, yeah, he's there. like, "But I marked it." Yeah. <laughs> If you're allowed yeah. to do that. That's um... yeah. Well, particularly this year, they've seemingly given up on um, you know uh, pushing the back as a free kick. Um, well, given all that, um, how nervous were you in those final few minutes? Because they did get pretty close. Uh, you know, right when the sirens got, they almost took another mark uh, in front of goal. Could have kicked the goal. Could have got straight. Could have got a free kick in the middle and kicked it out and taken another mark. Uh, were you nervous? My MFC, my MFCSS was in overdrive, as you can imagine. I was petrified that the Eagles would pinch a victory from uh, the jaws of defeat from their uh, end. Um, did any of you actually think the worst could happen? I, I was watching the clock all the way down, <laughs> so um, uh, and just doing the maths all the time. You know, they've got ten minutes to go. They've got to kick four goals. That sort of scenario. Um, um, but what was really telling for me, and, and I had confidence with a couple of minutes to go, 
were the the really telling marks that I think Brown took one down the down mm. on the wing. So it was just um, Jackson might have done similar. Mm. Spargo took a ripper um, in a contested situation just to take time off. But the one that really struck me was you know it was the final bounce with. Um, what was it, about a minute 30 to go or something like that, and Oliver's clearance from the middle. Mm. As soon as he got his hands on it, and then he, I think he delivered it to Spargo out wide. It, it was, was just brilliant. Game, game was over then. That was it. No more yeah. no more chances. Um, and, and again, it comes back to what we were talking about before, about um, the change in the maturity of this group. You're being pressed. You're being pushed. You only need you to do a couple of the right things at the right time, and you will be successful. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I exactly the same as me, George. I wasn't nervous because I was basically looking at the clock the whole time and thinking they're not going to make it. You know, they haven't got time. They, you know, they got down to five minutes and they got two goals quick. So then I was thinking, yeah, there's still two goals in that. They at that point they needed two goals still um, uh, when it was that bounce that you mentioned. So ninety seconds to go, nine points. They needed two goals to win. I was thinking, well. The only way that they it would be possible would be to get two um, clearance directly from the centre, um, and soon, obviously, as soon as um, uh, uh, Oliver won that, that was gone. But um, so I wasn't particularly nervous. Having said that, that I thought <laughs> criticising the umpire, I would have paid that mark to. Um, it was Darling, wasn't it? And it wouldn't have mattered. It would have just made it a three point margin. Oh, that couldn't have been a mark. Well, he stuck it for a while, and so did Brown earlier. But in any case, there was it. So I wasn't particularly nervous because um, there just wasn't time, that, and they were holding it. As I said, if anything, I would have liked to have seen the D's chip it around a bit earlier. You know, rather they chip, they kick once, and then go for that long kick down the line every time. They, they needed it if once they decided not to try and attack and score a goal, uh, which they clearly did. They needed to, you know, look backwards a few times, but they don't, they just don't do it. So that that very often. So maybe you know. The, um, the, 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 on, the, the only free uh, or was a 50-metre penalty that they didn't get that they should have, I absolutely don't care about because of all the other things that they did. They got <laughs> the was the one? petty one because that was, I love that. 50, that was fantastic. 50 metres any day of the week. I'd be furious if that happened against us and wasn't paid. Right. Well, it wouldn't have mattered. That wouldn't have mattered. Either. I know, but still. I'd the be interesting one about the... The Oliver clearance, though, because then I did think, oh, Christ, don't tell me. This would be – I wasn't particularly worried, but I thought well, this would be remarkable. Like how, you know, it's like a one in a hundred thing, but, you know, one in a hundred to one shots get up sometimes. Was Gorn hit it towards their goal, um, George? Did you notice that? That I mean, maybe it was the play, but um, still a risky play because didn't he earlier in the season – was it the Crows game he did that? Um, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. got it out of the centre? Um no, I can only remember the Crows game when it was in the forward pocket and he hit it the, he hit it the wrong way instead of trying to hit it through the goals. Yeah, but I thought that was a curious decision to hit it over the back of his head towards their goal. Maybe it was their set play, but a gutsy one. I mean, it come off. But um, it, it came off only because Oliver hit that ball with such pace and was able to control it. And I mean, his, his hands in the wet are just incredible, aren't they? Hmm. Um, let's talk about the other quarters where we set up the victory. First quarter against the Eagles in Perth is really important. You want to take the crowd out of the equation as much as you can, not let that momentum of the 19th man plus the three umpires have an impact early on the game so you can get a good start uh, because, you know, later in the game it's got, it's going to come in handy for them. Uh, we did that and we had a 14-point lead at the first break. What, what did you like about the first quarter, George? Yeah, the first quarter was always going to be a ripper. Um You've got two teams, one who's 
not just challenging for a top spot, but actually staying to uh, trying to stay in the top four. Um, you know, with with results going the other way. So there was a lot of lot at stake for Melbourne for West Coast. Um, they were trying to uh, cement their spot in the eight, and again, a lot of challenges in and around that seven, eight, nine, ten mark. So yeah, it was always going to be a, a good match, as you said. Uh, played in Perth with their horrible feral crowd, um, which subsequently, and, and it's always been the case, it seems, um, influencing the umpires with decisions. And before the game, we've lost T-Mac and it's going to be a wet a wet game from all, all previous reports. Um, so it is going to be a, a slog and that's exactly what it turned out to be, particularly in the first quarter. We got off to a great start. Um, it wasn't raining for initially, um, and what I was really surprised with was the ability of um, a number of players, um, particularly our marking players, to be able to mark the ball cleanly um, in those sort of conditions. Um, we got, uh, Brown gold early, courtesy of a 50-meter penalty, but uh, but you know it was Brown who was um, running up the ground and, and creating the opportunities for the. Uh, halfbacks to be able to deliver to him, so it was great. We had a couple of seri- silly errors um, from a couple of the usual um, sinners, which gifted them a goal, but um, we cert- certainly responded quickly. A and B picked up a very nice crumb um, to uh, give it to Petrarca, who goaled on a single snap from around the 50 mark, um, but then we reverted to type, a, type in a little way. Um, Max had a set shot that went one side of the goal goals to the other. Um, ben Brown marked it over the other side and then a very tight angle, but his went completely the other way across to the other side. Um, yeah, so the goal kicking um, was, we weren't, we weren't doing the, um, getting the best out of it. Jackson missed a set shot um, that fell short while they, while they were kicking from a fair distance out. But once again, it was just, you know, long points that we were scoring. Uh, A&B picked up a really nice crumbing goal as well. Uh, Max did a, an absolute ripper of a, a forward punch, which um, he knocked to uh, Brown, who snapped again from 40 metres out or so, and we goaled. Um, but, uh, yeah, th- um, they, they replied. You know, Kennedy did a great mark out, out at 50 and, and nailed a ripper. Um, but, yeah, the, the good thing was we finished up with a 14-point lead at the end of that. It was a it was a real hard slog, and we were in front. So, so that was a really good sign for us that we'd we'd we had put everything into this game and into this quarter, and we were still in front. So, um, it, it sort of set up the rest of the game. Um, we didn't know what was to come, but uh, we'll kick it across to others to talk about the f- subsequent quarters. Um, the second quarter, we you know seemed a little bit flat. Uh, I don't think we could get anything going. Uh, they got the ascendancy. With a bit of help from the maggots, um, I thought we were lucky, uh, bin man, to be uh, four points up at half time, even with the goal uh, by Cozzy on the siren. Uh, in your mind, bin man, what went wrong? What went right uh, for us in the second quarter? Yeah, just on the, the first quarter, George nailed it. The um, I, the commentators were sort of discounting the way um, West Coast were playing. I thought they. 
I thought, as you say, George, it was a real slog in that first quarter, and, and I thought they were terrific um, in terms of their intensity and their pressure, West Coast. And they were playing sort of a different type of footy. Maybe it was the conditions. They weren't looking to sort of hold and chip it around like they, they like to do. Um, so I thought we did really well to lead, but just shows the incredible importance of defence because um, really it was a couple of terrible defensive lapses, including that goal that you mentioned to Nibbler to allow a ball to get over the top of a contest and have a free player out the back. And there was a later one, and Melksham got in a lot, I think, the third quarter as well. Simply almost exactly the same. That's just unforgivable. And that's a complete defensive breakdown. I don't think the way the commentators talk about it is if West Coast weren't on. And I don't think that's the case. I thought they really brought their intensity from the beginning. They looked a bit nervous, and, and so they turned it over a bit. And they carried that intensity into the um, second quarter. And, um, you know, I, I totally agree, Andy. I thought we were lucky. In fact, texted a mate to say exactly that at halftime. We were really lucky to be four points. I mean, the bottom line is the the second quarter was sort of a longer version of that last 15 minutes. They threw everything at us, as George was um, talking about before. Um, and I think, I, I can't remember what the contested possessions were at the end of the first quarter, but I think it was pretty level. By the end of that quarter, they were 14 um, contested ball up. We're number one contested ball team in the AFL. Um, and they're, I think they're, right down the bottom six day. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the 18th um, or at least in the last few weeks. Um, and they smashed us physically and, and their contested ball um, was brilliant. Yo was great in that space. Um, so, you know, that's a huge, uh, to be, maybe it was, maybe they were up at quarter time, a little bit of can't have been too much. But so they, you know, they had plus 12 contested ball minimum in that quarter. And I think that was the, the tail of the tape. Um, in terms of why you know they were able to get in front, I think the key actually it was it reminded me a lot of the Brisbane Melbourne game, and when we talked about this, you know the key of course for us was that we got going in the third quarter, but really where we won that game was not allowing them to get a lead in that second quarter. And again, it goes back to our, how effective our system is. So unlike them who gave up an easy goal to Nibbler through a complete defensive breakdown in their system, we didn't give up any easy goals. Like every, They had to work. They had the momentum for that entire quarter on the back of you know all of that work. Um, and you know they just couldn't really take advantage of that. Um, and for me, that's really our sort of, footy game at Melbourne's game in a nutshell this year is that other teams when they're on top they just can't take full advantage of being on top when we're really on top we take advantage of it um, and and you know that's the that's the difference if you know so often in the past we would have you know we would have been thrilled with our first quarter we had a great first quarter would have come out you know and, and they um, you know dominate they got a goal late in the f- end of first quarter which was super important it gave them the energy to come into the second they got an early goal in the second um, suddenly it was really close and then it was it felt like an armrest on the scoreboard but they were on top, but we made an armrest on the scoreboard just because of how strong our defensive systems is. And it's really important to note in that that we lost Hunt um, early. Um, so he injured his um, ankle, came off at the 12-minute mark of the first quarter and then didn't come back on till um, beginning of the second or maybe at the end of the first, but only spent a few minutes on the ground before he came off. So he's a key player player in our um, defensive structure gives us all of that run he, you know the way he sets up they, they look for him left and right um, as um, you know when they're marking to, to give off to suddenly he had to take out of there they I think they put Jordan back um, I think 
maybe um, Gus played a bit more um, defensive stuff as well. So they had to adjust to that. That was something that um, they had to adjust to. But even with that need to adjust, they were able to keep their defensive structure and not give up any easy goals. So for me, that was essentially where we won the game. Of course, the third quarter is where we put it on the scoreboard and got ahead and that was game over. But where we maybe it's a better way of thinking is we stayed in the game. Um, and I think critical moments, I was really critical of, you know, we'll talk about Jake Melksham's game um, uh, a bit later, but he there was a crucial contest where his second and third effort got it down the wing. Um, I don't know what McGovern was thinking, not taking that ball out, but handballing it back inside and um, Melksham following up um, to get that uh, free kick, which was a free kick every day of the week. Um, just drives me nuts to you know, the uh, leper's suggestion that it wasn't um, the, the, to Cozzy. He just, you know, he hit a round arm to his head. Um, that was such an important goal by Cozzy because yeah. they'd, we went in with a lead where, as you say, it's exactly right. We didn't deserve that. You know, well, deserve's not the right word, but, um, you know, we were lucky to, to go ahead with a lead and to it was our turn to come into the break with the energy. Because um, how many times has that happened to us where an opposition team has got one in junk time uh, yeah. at half time and gone in all G'd up and then yeah, come out exactly. and roll and going with the energy. And they would have come into the rooms. And it's exactly as George said before, they gave them everything they could. You know, you couldn't. If you were a West Coast fan, you would have been thrilled with that effort in that second quarter. They would have come in, sat down on those white plastic chairs and said, Bloody hell, we're still two points down. Yeah. Um, and so that was huge, I think, that we didn't allow them to get away from us and huge that we were able to score a goal. I think that was really our, just about our only meaningful attempt on goal for that quarter as well. So um, massive in the context of the game, I think. And on that free kick, they 1,000% would have received a free kick for that in their form. Well, anyone should. He swung, it doesn't matter if you yeah. drop a bit. If you swing your arm, yeah. forearm like that, in yeah. a swinging motion and hit him in the head. It's got to be a free yeah. kick. It doesn't matter if they drop, you know, drop down a little bit. Um, the th- premiership quarter, the third quarter, we won the match five goal. We, we, that's where we won the match, as you mentioned, five goals to one, 32-point lead at three-quarter time that set us up. Uh, George, you want to take us through the, through the third, things you liked uh, there? Yeah, the third was... Um yeah, I think the the third was set up because of the second. That a couple of things that Binman was talking about there. West Coast had thrown absolutely everything at us, um, and had effectively got nowhere with it. Particularly with that uh, picket goal on the on the uh, three quarter on the uh, siren, they would have been deflated, and it certainly looked like it as soon as they came out. Um, a and B got a, a snagged a a goal that, um, from. Rucking from Brown in the forward line, and again, Brown's shown a propensity to do this, to just to be able to hit the ball or or hit it sideways to players who are free. So um, he's been a um, not only a great forward, but um, also a, a great visionary in the forward line um, to be able to see the opportunities there. So A and B got an early early goal, but then um, umpire Nichols um, gave, gave West Coast another easy shot at goal um, to to um, back it up. But from there on in, we just we just ripped them apart. Jackson um, just went berserk in, in the ruck. And it was interesting, I was thinking at the time, Max isn't in the ruck here for a long, long time. Must have been about 10 minutes. Um, Jackson was taking on that new, and I thought, oh, this could be could get really ugly, but Jackson held his own and then gave back even more. So he was he was involved in a couple of goals, one to Harms in particular, 
Um, Jackson took some some fantastic marks in, in that third quarter. Again, it was you forget how wet it was. It was pouring down at the start of that quarter. So to, to be able to hold hold them um, in those conditions was just exemplary. Shows his real talent. What then happened was Max Gorn returned to the ruck with about you know eight minutes to go, I think, in the quarter, and and within a couple of minutes we'd scored another two goals. You know that. Um, Jackson had, had worn Nick Nat down and Vardy down, and then the assassin came in in the terms of Gorn, and he just created the opportunities for the others up the up the other end. So it was really interesting for me from a coast, coaching perspective to see how we were using um, the players and in what order um, to be able to gain the best advantage. And so we go into three quarter time effectively five goals up, um, which was. Just fantastic. They they were completely out at that stage, but yeah, it was truly the premiership quarter. Um, and there you go. That set us up to win the game, despite what happens after <laughs> after that. Um, crazy stuff. I, I was trying to explain it to my wife uh, the next morning because she'd fallen asleep, and uh, it just didn't. I didn't do it justice, unfortunately. <laughs> just some stats from that quarter. I mean, it's ex- exactly right in terms of we just sort of swamped them really and what I loved it sort of gets back to what I was talking about last week is we got our swarm back we were swarming them and you know so there were multiple players at the contest multiple options to give it off we got our handball game going even in the sort of slippery conditions um, and you know we we strangled teams we, we sort of sucked the oxygen out of the opposition um, and they start getting panicky. We get, you know, when we when that happens, you know, that, that sort of phrase about getting the game on your own terms, um, it's exactly the case. So the, that second quarter, I said they won, um, they were up 14 um, contested possessions. We won the contested possessions uh, in that quarter, I think something 28, 20 or something. Um, we won the clearances. That was a really interesting game from the clearances. Pretty much all, a lot of the stats were very similar, same number of inside 50s. Our clearances both around the ground and um, in the centre were um, similar, but we scored more from our clearances. We got three goals from boundary line throw-ins, um, and you know we just really ran over the top of them. And I think Nat Nui, I saw a stat, um, and Nathan Vardy didn't register a disposal in the third quarter. Uh, Luke Jackson and Gorn um, combined for nine. That's that's massive for your two ruckmen not to get a, um, a possession in a full quarter of footy. Um, is remarkable. And we had uh, nine of the last tens coming into just on the end of third quarter, we had nine of the last ten inside 50s, just sort of evidence of that swarming that we were um, doing. So, you know, we came into the end of that quarter. They were completely both out on their feet physically, but we had them mentally. Um, and that's how the, the last quarter began as well. We were just completely on top of the game. So, um, yeah, that sort of goes to, you know, in normal circumstances, obviously, the game's not stopped. We just would have kept rolling and, and you know, chipped it around from what you know, kept our six goals, five goal lead, um, whatever. So uh, it was a hugely impressive uh, quarter of footy from the D's and, um, it just that we look like a good footy team um, who came out and said, "Yeah, the opposition's given it their best shot. Um, we're we're going to um, show them what we've got." 
Well, that was a bit of a bit of an episode of loss, talking about the last quarter and then doing a couple of flashbacks to to earlier quarters. <laughs> but uh, let's talk some individual performances. Alex Neil Bullen, uh, I thought Nibbler was excellent in his hundredth game uh, for the club. We've been critical of Nibbler in the past, despite reckon recognizing his aerobic abilities. And I guess the criticism in the past has been on the back of a lack of pressure and scoreboard pressure. But I think we've seen a huge improvement from Nibbler in these areas this season. And he capped off a great milestone game with eight tackles, 21 pressure acts, eight score involvements. Uh, one in particular setting up a, a track's monster goal uh, and a nice snap goal himself. Uh, George, um, how did you see Nibbler's game? Yeah, this was the best game that I think that he's ever played with the club. Um, breakout game for Nibbler. A breakout game after a hundred, um, but we'll take it. We'll take it in this particular game. Um, what what I was really amazed with, and, and the, it was the same with Harm. So, I, 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 they they perform better in these tight, um, contested type of games. Um, I don't think think they are over endowed with skills, and the skills get really need to be seen when conditions are good. But um, when things are where you've just got to scrap in and get you get in there and get the ball and and put in and the opponent can't get away from you as easily, uh, I think that's when you see the best of it. So, yeah, um, he was he was fantastic this year um, in this particular game. Um, there was one other point I, I was um, just like to bring up, and that was um, in terms of the, just going back one step um, in terms of the coaching was that um, once again. Um, and Bin Man will probably pick up on this later. We had seven players this week play over ninety percent of the game. What that meant, particularly in the wet conditions that we've been talking about, was that players like Harms and Jordan and even Vandenberg and Rivers and Sparrow only played low minutes, but they were really impactful minutes. You know, I was surprised with Harms, for example, he only paid fifty four percent. But when he came on, he really made an impact in the game. But that comes down to the coaching, you know. Um, if if you can utilise these players as shock troops in these situations, and that was certainly the case with Neil Bullen and with with Harms, um, they really showed their best. So um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant big tick to the coaching staff for the way they utilise those players. I mean, on a related point, I you know I have no doubt whatsoever we're seeing the benefit now of them um, reducing their loads because they all look fresher. Nibbler look fresh, but um, you know just on Nibbler. Yeah, said we sort of underrate him. I've uh, I've never underrated Nibbler, and he's just about my favourite Melbourne player. And I just think he's a, he's a chronically underrated footballer for the days. And um, he's been um, fantastic. And through that period when we were down uh, and we were struggling, he was um, him and Hunt were the only two. I said I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Those two were the only two players in our team who lifted their player rated during that period. Um, he was fantastic um, through that period when we were um, playing poorly. I've always put a lot of stock in um, players who play well uh, in uh, losing games. Um, and he's been remarkably consistent last year and this year. Um, and you don't always see, um, you, don't, you don't like a, you know, breakout games of it sort of. Um, you know, it sort of downplays his importance. No, I think it was because, a bit of a joke, um, bit of a lighthearted. Yeah, but I just think he, he plays such a, as I said a couple of weeks ago when um, George was talking about him being dropped. He he plays such a critical role in um, um, our pressure and our running and our defensive spread. I looked at the tracker at half time, um, and um, remarkably, Ben Brown was eleven kilometres 
Um, and he, or maybe it was at that break actually, um, but he's right up there. Him um, and uh, Brown actually and um, uh, Langdon, they're all up around the 10, 11 kilometres and, um, you know, he, he's just a fantastic footballer and I think he's a real, you know, it's a real... Um, sort of, I guess, indication of how he's considered by the club that he's in the leadership group this year. And um, I, I think he's really important on the field and off the field in terms of his commitment to training and his professionalism. And you know, he's a, a sort of a culture player. So, but it was awesome to see him have such a great game in a hundred, you know, his hundredth. So um, remember he was sort of his claim to fame when he first came to the D's was he was mate, mates with Billy Stretch. Yep. Um, you know, who would have thought that Nibbler is going to go on to play a hundred games and um, I, I guess Stretch is playing, I don't know if he's playing SA, SANFL still. Um, but yeah, their paths have diverged, haven't they? Certainly have. Uh, let's move on. Luke Jackson had another fantastic game uh, in front of his home crowd. Uh, we simply have to do whatever it takes to keep this kid on, on this side, on our side of the Nullarbor. Uh, 21 possessions, 11 contested, 6 marks. Held his own in the ruck when Max was resting, as you mentioned, and he's only 19, boys. Uh, big man? He was fantastic, wasn't he? He's marking. I think he's definitely one that's benefited from... Um, you know, the load's easing off because he's running over the top of the ground, but his marking's improved uh, and he's kicking. Um, he's shot for goals kicking. And he looks like he's got a pretty sort of solid technique, so um, there's no reason why he shouldn't have a um, good, you know, a good accuracy with his field kicks as well. Uh, he was fantastic, clearly up and about. Um, you said, Andy, you watched um, Fox. Did you see him interviewed? afterwards by Eddie McGuire and he was on Zoom and I thought when he first came up on telly who some some bogan must have Zoom bombed <laughs> Fox footy but he's such a funny young bloke and he's so enthusiastic he was talking about playing um, in front of his mates and his family and he's just he, he must have said it five times how much he loves playing footy and um, how much he loved you know playing in a close game and um, just a so not only is he extraordinary I mean it's easy to forget he's only 19 amazing probably Nick Nat's the only sort of comparable ruckman that same age and he was talking about Nick Nat being a hero of him growing up you know I think Jesus because Nick Nat's 29 I think or 31 mm. he's 31 and um so um yeah but he was he was terrific and such good energy I think and not you know good energy on the field and off the field and um I, I thought I think that one two is a really unique thing we've got going because almost every it's George has made this point almost every other team's second ruckman drops he's, off yeah he's, he's usually some well who's this guy <laughs> you don't well, even like know his Barton name was their second, their second yeah. ruckman so you know we've got Luke Jackson who comes in who's you know people People are saying pretty regularly on Demon Land, he's better than um, Max, which, <laughs> you know, when he rucks, I mean. Anything to add there, George? Yeah, I, I, I just reinforced that he's 19 years of age. <laughs> it's just incredible, you know, as a ruckman, a, a, you don't, you know, Max took, you know, four or five years to mature, but, you know, by the time Max was 24, 25, but this guy's 19 years of age. Um, it's very easy to forget that. I really love his, um, uh, you can see it with the basketball background, his ability not just to hit the ball in the air or, or to mar- he reads the ball beautifully to be able to mark it, but it's his second efforts 
yeah. from that basketball background. Yeah. The ball hits the ground. He is just as mobile as any other mid in there. And the number of times he was in there Bending scraping, over. but also yeah. also having the vision to get the ball out in tight situations um, is just. Well, there is no other ruckman in the league at the moment who's who's comparable in in terms of that. Yeah, um, that's yeah. It, he mentioned in that interview, George. He mentioned basketball. He, they asked him about, um, um, you know, what does he like? Does he like rucking and being up involved? And he said, yeah, he thinks that's from his basketball background. He wants to be up wherever the ball is, um, wherever the ball is. He wants to go. He said he's always been like that. And he said. Um, that he, th- you know, he thinks that might be sort of related to playing basketball, where you, where you always want to be where the ball is. So um, you're right, though, in his ability to follow up and get ground ball. There was a couple of times where that was really important. He was involved in a goal in that third quarter where um, I think he took the ruck on the um, sort of half back line and ended up in the chain. Might have even been the one that ended up um, harms. That was harms' that goal, yeah. Yeah, it was just a fantastic bit of. Exactly what your point is that, um, and I guess the criticism that we've both made of Wiedemann is that he was involved in the halfback flank and involved twice more again, in and we ended up in a goal. Whereas you know that's it's just brilliant, isn't it, to remain involved um, in the contest? And it's the ones where they do that sort of running, and even if they don't get the the ball, that's a basketball thing too. Is that the help defense concept? And um, you know he's always in there, and you know it, it, I think as you say, it's incredible. I think he's only. Is he a left footer? No, no. Okay, no, because I'm watching. Uh, I'm watching the uh, video of the week on Demonland, and uh, it, it, it's that um, that play you're talking about. And he he's kicked it down to Milksham to mark it. And the the kick was a very good kick, but it looked awkward off the boot, and it was with the right foot. So I thought uh, perhaps he is a left footer. Um, let's move. Oh, uh, George, do you know his contract status? I know we did uh, not off not off the top of my head. I know so, we know. did get an uh, contract an extension last year, like a two year extension. But I, I think we've got to put something in front of him. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're going to we definitely do want do Throw not the, want to lose this guy. The yes. book at him, um, yeah. the checkbook that is. All right, let's move on. Uh, ben Brown. Uh, I don't know who doubted Ben Brown would be an asset to this footy club, but uh, without him playing last night, we don't win this match. Uh, T-Mac was out. Fritch was out of sorts. I don't think Weed would have given us the same output, uh, and despite the conditions, Brown was able to mark or bring the ball to ground. He provided leads up the ground. He's kicked three goals from seven marks, uh, as well as having six score involvement. Not huge disposal numbers with just eight, and I say this all the time: if you're not, if you're a forward, you're not getting big numbers. You better be putting on scoreboard pressure in terms of goals or score involvements, and he did all of that. Um, I really like this guy, and uh, he, the, I don't know what the commentators were on about thinking. Oh well, maybe he'll be in the mix yeah. for finals. He is in the mix for finals. He's exactly in this team. And I've got to have uh, Andy. I've got to have a vent about the have it. Take it uh, now. Commentators. I'll forget about. Point. I'll forget about it. So you can talk about them now, and then we'll talk about Brown. Well, yeah, I, I'll let's absolutely come back to Brown. But I need to take this opportunity to vent. I, um, it's just it drives me in, insane um, how poor the commentary is, and that was just one of a million examples. It's like I was thinking, you know, what are you talking about? There's no way this fella's coming out of this team. He's not playing. And they must have said it three, four times, all of them in different ways. Eddie Maguire, when they took their break on the Channel 7 um, replay, they were, t- oh, sorry, on the um, in the commentary, they were saying, you know, it's, it's time to take his chance. And, you know, he's 
absolutely in our finals team. There's no question about it. And to even think about, you know, and and exactly as we've talked about, his marking and his ability to convert is why. So, you know, that that was number one of the sort of hit parade of stupidity. And the other one was the, you know, it's Leper, who's I've, I've enjoyed, as I've said before in the podcast, Leper on SEN. And, um, you know, he's, um, you know, he, he's got... Um, an interesting way of sort of talking about the game and it's quite engaging to understand that. Uh, and he's been generally a good addition to Channel 7, but he seems to be going the way of every special comments person that's seven higher. It's like invariably, um, you know, those um, sort of um, special comments people are recently retired ex-footballers, coaches. He was um, um, with Richmond last year and then he's um, retired out of the game or at least he's in media as um, the only part sort of his involvement in footy and it seems to be their, their knowledge becomes this is an interesting useful. question just came oh, sorry about that <laughs> so the the knowledge is becomes less useful and insightful in direct correlation to how long they've been out of the game um and you know he's he was talking about he just seems to be knowing less and less about football and so at one point he said um, when um, Melksham marked which was terrific he was talk, pumping Melksham up as the ultimate competitor I think I don't reckon even Melksham's mum would agree with that assessment. Um, and then just not long afterwards, they were talking about Bowie, and he said Bowie, and he said that um, they really liked his speed, and could he really liked his speed, and really to run, you know, his ability to run and carry from defence because it's something we really needed. Saying, well, what are you talking about? We've got Hunts, we've got Rivers, um, and you know, of all people, Richo corrected him to suggest, oh, you know, with Hunt off the ground, that's even more important. I mean, we've got plenty of run off the halfback flank, and you know, it was. And then on top of that, at the um, free kick, um, Nibbler didn't give away, which was completely the right call in that last quarter, where um, I forget the um, the West Coast player, one of the bald headed fellas. Um, dropped his um, oh, knees. Uh, Empire uh, said you've dropped your knees, and even before, so to explain why he didn't pay it, almost as the play was still going. And Leper said that he saw no difference to the one Cosy got on half time. They were completely and utterly different. One was a free kick, one wasn't a free kick. Um, so yeah, that was. I mean, and then forget the rest of them, Brian Taylor, and the, you know, the, I just I could go on all night, but just awful. You mentioned. Um... You mentioned a bald uh, Eagles player. Uh, you weren't you weren't referring to umpire Nichols, were you? <laughs> um, these commentators was that a drum, drum tish? Yeah, that was. That? <laughs> <laughs> when 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 it's good, it's that. Uh, when it, when the yeah. joke doesn't land, it's. Right. It's that. Uh, anyway, right, yeah. uh, the commentators they. Ben Brown. No, before we go to Ben Brown, I'll just last thing on the commentators. We've been on Channel 7 quite a lot this year. So so the commentators have seen us quite a bit. But they have – and I get that they commentate a lot of games during the year. So there's a lot of players it's, and a lot of teams. Job. But it is their job. They should be prepared. But and commentators just – they have no idea about us. And most of them, as I said, have been commentating games all year for us. They said something about – I can't even remember who it was. One of the players – and I couldn't believe that they wouldn't know because they've spoken about that player before in a totally different way. And th- they either just get mixed up, they mix up players. They, uh, I don't know. I can't remember who said it, what it was about. Uh, but uh, And it could have been a- a- any one of those Muppets because they're all the same to me. I-, I wish I could listen to it on mute or, or choose yeah. some other well, commentary. I can't. People 
have said that, but I need the crowd noise and all of the umpiring. And uh, so if there was a way to filter it out, I wouldn't heartbeat. But you're right, yeah. that happens all the time. And Brian Taylor was calling Hunts off with an ankle injury and he's calling him Langdon. Yeah. I mean, it's um, because he's got a longish hair in a um, long oh. sleeve jumper. Yeah. <laughs> ben Brown. Holy. Ben Brown. He was oh, fantastic, yeah. wasn't he? He was just really everything that you want in a full forward. And I was thinking of you, George, actually, just the way he's he not only – he does things professionally. So, you know, um, he kicks well uh, and he's starting to stretch out, but physically he looks a completely um, different player. He, I mean, he talked – I forget it. Must have, I think it was after the Port game that he'd done a 12-week block of training uh, and he looks a, physically a different player. And you could see – He's getting up and down the ground. He's really doing a lot of running, as I said. I think it was either at halftime or when they had that break from the Lightning. He was second on our most distance covered behind Langdon at that point. It really surprised me. And um, I, I thought he um, played that role that um, T-Mac did of getting up, does of getting up the ground really importantly and took a couple of really important contested marks up on the wing, including in that last quarter, as um, I think one of you noted. Um, but yeah, And the other one was his mark from um, a brilliant bit of play from the centre uh, and Gorn kicking on his left foot. Um, that was just the perfect situation for, uh, you know, they're the ones we just haven't been marking. Straight in front, big pack mark. Um, and when, you know, I think as George said, um, when we are talking about him weeks and weeks ago, you know, when he's stretching up his arms, he's close to seven foot at the top of his arms and sort of any jump even on top of that. So uh, he's going to be fantastic come finals. He's a slightly different player, I think, than what we recruited from North uh, Melbourne. Um, I think he's covering a lot more ground than what he ever did there. He's tended to be more of a an inside 50 player there and a go-to target. Um, but, boy, is he, he is working a long way up the ground, as, as you've seen from the... Um, the coverage um, on the, the coverage maps on the, on the uh, on the screen. So, um, but yeah, he doesn't get any shorter during the game, and I think that really troubled, uh, particularly um, after West Coast had lost Hearn. That really threw McGovern back um, to try and cover someone who is just so tall. Um, and that mark but, he uh, took it was that is uh, example of that was that uh, mark he took in the third uh, in yeah. the goal square. Yeah, he he just has to stand there, and it's. He doesn't get any shorter during the game, but he's he's back. He's got his confidence back, which is always very important for um, for uh, forwards. But it's his contributions, not just running up the ground, but some of those marks were really, really telling um, yeah. when yeah. they were needed. And um, yeah, especially with uh, uh, T Mac uh, not being available during the game, he had a lot of work uh, to cover that that hole, and he did it, and he did his own job as well. But we're also starting. You also, and probably you don't see as much in this particular game. But um, the fact that he's there gives the opportunities to those other people around him as well. Um, you know, the the nibbler goal, the couple of nibbler goals, I think, were um, uh, on the on the back of um, Brown's work. Um, so yeah, he's he's doing absolutely everything that we wanted to, him to be, and it's certainly coming at the right right end of the season. Absolutely. And I mean, it's interesting because he didn't have huge numbers, as you're saying, Andy, but um, he had a couple of tackles, which is what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had some contested possessions. 
Um, he had three contested possessions. Um, but he's a really sort of neat and solid field kick as well. Like he's got good technique. Um, and, um, you know, he's, we've talked a, a lot about some of these players coming in like Jordan and um, I reckon Bowie's in the same, Bowie's in the same sort of um, thing with high footy IQ. He's a player with high footy IQ and um, he's a player who sort of came through VFL, didn't he? And he's sort of almost rewarded for his footy IQ. And um, I, I thought there was one bit of play, the goal he got where he snapped off his um, foot and again off, uh, off one step. Uh, again, it was poor defence to leave him, but it was just smart footy. Um, he was out in front. He was there for it. Uh, and he knew that he didn't have time to, you know, he, 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 he took the shot immediately. Um, but just neat technique. You know, he, he cleared 40, 50 metres with that kick um, off one step and around the body. It was a, a really important time to kick the goal. Um, but his marking is only, you know, is only going to get stronger and more important. Um, they're, they're worth their weight in gold contested marks. Um, and, you know, he, he's going to be huge, as I say, come finals. Uh, welcome back to Jake Melksham. Uh, again, didn't get a lot of the footy uh, with only eight disposals, but he did hit the scoreboard uh, twice. Um, was involved in a few others. Uh, is there a place for Jake in the uh, 22, uh, George? It's going to be a difficult decision, isn't it, for the uh, football department? Because um, T-Mac obviously uh, will be back within a week yeah, or two, hopefully, yeah. this week. Yeah, I, I think the difficulty is... Um, and we've spoken about this in his previous appearances, um, he had 87% game time in this in this game for only eight touches. Um, are we getting enough out of him? Uh, because, if he kicks two uh, goals, yes, but if not, yeah, no. Yeah, but if that's all he's doing, um, that, that's nice. Fritch, on the, Fritch almost had exactly the same statistics, apart from the fact that he didn't keep the two goals, but he probably didn't get the same opportunities. You know, you can only take the opportunities that are given to you. Can we afford Melcham and Fritch in the same forward line? Because they don't. Neither of them really provide a great deal of defensive pressure, um, even in this game. And again, it's a pity that you can only watch it in on television. But I was seeing occasionally the Jake Melcham of old, you know, trotting along behind uh, the rest of the the play. Um, uh, you can afford one player um, in the side, but can we afford two? Um, I don't. I don't know. It'll be like I said, a really difficult decision for the um, uh, for the football department. His, his kicking is superb. Once he's got the ball in his hand, he is lethal. Um, but is if that's all he can provide, um, there may not be a spot for him in coming into the future. Yeah, I, I'm convinced. Goody wants him in the team. Mm. Convinced of it, and and like for um, finals. Yeah, for finals. I just think that. I think his ability to hit um, kicks under pressure um, is going to is good. He needs it. I mean, I think he recognises the the same thing we all recognise about kicking issues. Um, I, you know, as we've talked about last year as well, I, I just sort of have a really strong confirmation bias against him, and particularly in regards to his intensity and pressure. And I thought he was terrible in the first half, um, um, generally up until that bit of play that I mentioned which ended up being critical and it saved him but for me I sort of I was over him there was a couple again maybe it's because I'm looking at it but he corrals where he instead of running at the player which is I just mm. I just think just don't do that it just shits me um, and he does it all the time and there was another where that sort of their half back center half troops in half back 
where he should have gone hard at a contest and sat off it. Um, and it's just not the Melbourne brand. You know, it was it's a cliche, but that was his turn to go and he didn't. Um, he won me over with that um, effort to uh, set up Cozzy's goal and it ended up being really important. Um, and his pressure was much, much better in the second half, um, much better. Um, so for me, if he can keep, you know, much better, still not brilliant. He only had one tackle for the game. Um, and, um, you know, he's sort of influenced. It's easy to overstate because he, he does that brilliant kick and, you know, he, he's a, he's the best shot for goal. He's the best kick. He's the only player in out that team, um, even with Salem, that I would have given any chance to kick that ball from the boundary um, or been confident. I was confident that he would get it. Um, it was such a clever, you know, he's a right footer. He kicks that on the left. He did exactly what he needed to do off one step. Um, but he only had four score involvements. So, you know, Nibbler had eight score involvements. Um, so it's easy to overstate it because of those things. It definitely had a, um, a much better second half, but I think it's also worth noting um, through the game, and particularly in the first half, he um, was playing a defensive forward role on Hearn, and then when Hearn went off injured, he um, assumed the same role on McGovern, and I thought did a pretty okay job, and he played that role through the whole match, so I think that's probably um, needs to be factored into his game time in terms of the role Goody's asked him to play. Um, but yeah, I, I think that if 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 I can not see him corral for the rest of the season, uh, and he brings that sort of minimum level of intensity in that second half, um, I'm happy for him to be um, in the best 22. Let's jump in the midfield. Uh, the dynamic duo. We don't need to talk too much about them. Uh, Clayton Oliver, Christian Petrarca, just beasts in the middle. Uh, between them, they've had 56 possessions, 31 contested, 16 clearances, 12 score involvements. Almost 700 metres gained. Um, I don't think we need to dwell on how good they are. I think Track got 10 coaches' votes. And um, I was going to ask you, Andy, were you surprised that he got the 10 coaches' votes? I, I was a little bit because uh, uh, like, I know the contribution that he gives, but I, I don't know. I thought Oliver was better. I was surprised Oliver only got three, which means he, uh, I think someone worked it out. I think he just got three from someone. So maybe yeah. one of the coaches. So I was surprised. And I at that. thought, um, yeah, that well, they often seems to be who's influential. And I and I thought I think Brown got a vote, didn't he? Did he get a vote? Oh, he did, I'm sure. Um, and I thought he was really influential, Brown, in terms of the result because it was in that first quarter um, that uh, he kicked a couple, and, and you know we took our chances, and that, that's the difference. You've got to take your chances, and. Um, and it created a problem, particularly. I mean, it's probably worth noting that Hearn out was a big out for them. Uh, and in that second quarter, when we did jump them, that uh, Kennedy was off the ground for most of it. So, but you know, that's footy. Um, so taking your chances is so important, and he, he did that. So you know, I thought he was more influential than you know that even the coaches have given him credit for. Uh, someone, uh, I'll give them the credit, uh, Bimbo uh, on Demonland in the coaches' votes thread uh, worked out the 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 uh, the votes for the coaches' votes, the, the the split, but we don't, of course, know which coach gave who. Petrarca got five from both. Uh, Yo got four and two. Jackson, four and zero. Um, Oliver, th- uh, Oliver and uh, Brown both got three from one of the one – a coach each. Nibbler got two from um, two from each Woody. coach, and uh, Redden and Natanui got one each. 
I wouldn't uh, have given that an OE one. Nah. Well, you, they, know where, that, you know where that folk yeah, came from. Yeah, they posited that came from uh, the West Coast coach. Yeah. I mean, I'd be furious if he was a D's um, player. I mean, I know people love him, but, I mean, he looks seriously 10 kilos. I keep hearing... I keep hearing his name from media uh, for all Australian. I don't, I don't know where that's coming from. I mean, well, you look was, at the coaches' votes; he's he's in there. He was totally gassed in that third quarter. He was running on fumes, as I said. I mean, he didn't get a possession in a whole quarter of footy. What's that about? I mean, and you know, like their game is so structured around winning um, centre clearances um, from him. Uh, you take that away, and then suddenly his sort of influence on the game. Um, falls away and I mean sure he, uh, he kicked a nice goal in that last quarter but it was only because he had a half an hour break to to um, you know to get ready for it I reckon uh, He's equal 15th on the coaches votes, the highest Eagles uh, listed player They're probably all from Simpson <laughs> Possibly <laughs> uh, Let's move on to uh, Harms I thought he had one of his best non-tagging games uh, for the year I, I think he was uh, I haven't rewatched um, the game. At, I thought maybe it was Manning Yo uh, in some of the centre bounces, uh, but he was getting a lot of his own ball, and he was a lot cleaner this week. Twenty-five possessions, a beautiful long low uh, goal. Um, Harms without Viney in the team. We've well, got some audio. Maybe we'll play the audio from um, uh, Gary uh, and Tim's uh, radio show. It's only a minute long. Uh, hold on. Sick, here we go. Oh, that's the wrong one. That's it. Uh, hold on, guys. Won't uh, bore you in the behind the scenes, but here we go. This is an interesting question, just came off the text. Melbourne without Viney in the midfield. The mix seems better. Thoughts on that? Um, well, James Harms was, I suppose, Harms goes into the middle, mm. and he was sensational yesterday. Um, he, he kicks it better than Jack. No one goes at it bit harder than Jack. So there'll be a spot for Jack. But um, yeah, that's an interesting observation. It, it, he may end up being Jack Viney, may be the more accountable run with midfielder, you know, if he gets back in. So if you take it on the dogs in a big final, yeah. maybe he goes the cooler. to, to Liber or to McRae or. Um, well, he play, he's played that role before, hasn't he? Well,. It, he went to a few years ago. He did that. Well, this he, he came back and went to Wines and Mitchell in successive weeks, and not hard, hard lockdown, no. but, but accountable at stoppage. So maybe that's where he's going to be. Where are these two going to be, Harms and Viney? Um, once Viney returns, George, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to take all the credit for uh, his game this week because I canned <laughs> him last week. So uh, that's. Um, you better choose who you want to play well next week, and I'll, I'll go with Melting the running. Melting bag, Melting. Melting, oh, yeah, he was... <laughs> no, no, was hold, hold off on that. Wait till we're playing a final. I don't care if he plays poorly against that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Harmsy. Um, I, I think uh, what I was talking about before, I think the, the conditions of the game suit Harms, um, where he doesn't get exposed with his skills. He's, he's a tough, hard-bodied, um, inside type of mid who will just scrap and scrap and scrap. And uh, that's exactly what we saw in this game. Um, he he's, he's, um, produces what he's, what's needed, particularly when you've got lots and lots of um, contested stuff around the ground, repeat ball-ups, all those repeat throw-ins. That's the sort of player that you need harms to be. And the, and the reason is, 
I don't think he's got a great football IQ in the, in that sense. But it, when you've got a scrappy game, his opponent can't get away from him um, as much. There were a couple of times in this game where he was play. He was in the centre square um, ball up, and he completely lost the player, completely and utterly lost him. He's he's just not. Um, he just hasn't got the the same IQ as say someone like Viney um, in the middle. Put him around the outside uh, on the in around the ground. Completely different player. Um, and we were getting exactly what we wanted out of this this game. Um, I think Goody used him brilliantly in this game. Again, he only played 54% game time. So uh, I think Goody's playing him in exactly that role I was talking about. Go onto the ground, hit it hard, hit it short, come off and do your job again the next time I send you on. You don't need to be on the ground all the time trying to get to every contest. Um, the previous game, we saw a lot of the old, I'm going to try and fend off and I'm going to push through. In this game, he's just push, just pushed through, um, doing what he what he normally does, and we saw the best of it. So, um, yeah, different sort of game from him. It'll be interesting to see um, if we have uh, good conditions um, against Adelaide this week and whether he can produce the same sort of results. I, I think that Viney will come straight back in. I'm amazed yeah. at um, how down um, sort of these are of sort of Demon Land's representative of of Demon fans on Viney because um, you know I guess there's two things: there's what you th- we think as fans should happen and what will happen. It's a bit like with Melksham, um, you know, what will happen is that Goodwin will pick him um, if he keeps his intensity level. Happens the same yeah. with Viney. Viney comes straight back into Goodwin's midfield. Um, personally, I think um, um, we missed him a little bit in that second quarter. That's exactly yeah. the scenario when um, he's so important as that defensive mid. And it's exactly, you're right, um, George, is that Harms is funny because that was set up really well for him. And the sort of thought about not having them together is that it allows Viney to, sorry, Harms to, to thrive. Um, but, you know, you'd need a defensive mid and we, we lacked it in the second quarter. I mean, they really got us uh, in contested ball. As I said, that 12, plus 12 in one quarter is massive. Um, you know, with Harms, sorry, with Viney in the team, it suddenly becomes plus eight and that's a big difference. So, you know, he's a... Um, He's not a tagger. He's a defensive mid. That that sort of grunt come finals, you know, it's easy to dismiss him as just a sort of fellow who runs through um, uh, walls. Viney, this is, but that's exactly what you need in finals. And and Goodwin's his whole mindset is about a way of playing that will win finals, and he is key to that. So he comes straight back in. I, I think I was really interested to read, and you you noted it, George. Um, I was amazed that Harms only had 54% game time. He seemed to be in the game the whole game and definitely the best game he's played this season. And I like your sort of idea of him coming in as a um, sort of um, shot, someone who can come in and do things in the, under pressure. Uh, another player probably who's be- who would benefit a lot with the way he plays from being a bit fresher because he does much to everyone's chagrin and try to take players on, but if you're fresh, you're going to be able to win more of those ones. Um, and, and I thought, like, he, you know, when he's up and about, um, he's uh, he's got good energy, and the goal he kicked was super important. And they came off the back of really hard running. He was involved in that chain. That's the one that Jackson um, talked about. He had um, 11 contested possession times, which is pretty amazing in 53% game time. So maybe that's the way they'll use him. There's still space for both of them, Both basically. If he's only playing 50% game time, 
and Riney's on 80%. You know, there's plenty of time for them to wax in the, um, uh, the midfield. So um, just as a, as a um, way of comparison and show to how easy it is to forget how Oliver is, you know, we skipped over him because we can't talk about Oliver and track every week. Uh, yeah, um, that's what I thought, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's but not taking really, anything away totally from Totally fair enough. <laughs> Arms actually had, had not, we had not only had nine contested possessions, which is pretty good, particularly in um, 53%, 54% game time. Oliver had 21 contested possessions. Yeah. That's just that's just crazy. Ten more than um, the next best, which was Jackson, amazingly. And um, Bowie, Bowie had 10. So it um, just, just shows how incredible um, Oliver is. I'm just bringing up the, the stats while you keep talking. Um Oliver, in terms of contested possessions, and I hope I can find it uh, quickly. I think he is absolutely uh, killing uh, contested possession. Here we go. Um, He's on 348 for the year, and the next one's Rory Laird with 301. So he's nearly 50 ahead of the next player in the league. And then Ollie Wines is third on 288. So he's smashing it, Um, you know, 348 to 288. Uh, Petrarca has 280. So, yeah. Next level. Fifth, yep. So there you go. Uh, That was definitely his best game. And, um, yeah, yeah, I think they they can play together. Either way, I I was thinking that, you know, Harms come finals, I still like him, you know, against the – the dogs and the, um, the cats and they're probably, you know, even the port. He, he He's a player you can run with um, um, and do a good job and still get um, possessions himself. Um, and even sort of the two of them can take the player. And, well, that's and, what I'm saying. What about Viney with um, taking players rather than – I guess he's yeah. got to do a big of both because you need him sort of going in there. Yeah. The hard ball at times. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Tagging's got a specialist skill and, and Arms is good at it. And yeah. it, if it's really a matter of more of tactically whether Goody decides to tag. And I think that, you know, come finals, they'll try a bit of tactical mix changes. And I, I thought um, they did this game. We went a lot more central. We kicked to the top of the square more often. Um, we did a number of things. You'll um, um, uh, May again went to the left-hand side and up the middle a couple of times. Um, so, you know, they might try, you know, they may not tag, for instance. So, um, you know, I think tactically they'll try some different things. But if they want to tag, he's Harms is the guy. Uh, Vanders came on uh, as the medical sub when Hunt went off. Um, it was his 50th game, uh, which is great for him that way. But sadly, I think the game may have passed him by, uh, which pains me as I'm a big fan and his 2018 year was fantastic and I admire him for his resilience to continually come back from that debilitating foot injury, which means he can't really train at all. I interviewed him um, yeah, last year. He talked about that. Unfortunately, that means the game may now be a bit too quick for him, um, may have passed him by. Is he just a placeholder now for Viney or perhaps someone else uh, to come in from him, uh, George? Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well, Andy. And unfortunately, like like you, I love him as a player. Um, we all remember how how great he is at, uh, when he was at his best. But um, if there was one thing this game showed is that he's that yard off the pace. And, um, yeah, he looked very slow. Yes, he, when he gets close enough to be able to tackle players, he is ferocious. Yeah. And you, you certainly don't want to be hit by him. But you've got to provide more than that in a game. Unfortunately, these days, you've got to be able to run for long periods of time, particularly when we're running 
um, team structured type of defences. You can't afford to have too many players on the ground who who can't put in and put in for long periods of time. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, it's great that he's got to fifty games, uh, but I don't think there's going to be too many more available for him. Hey, Amen. I mean, maybe he just, I don't know whether it's just, he looked a little bit like he was trying too hard when he came on. He gave away um, two frees as well. Yeah, and uh, but the free that he gave in the back, just the yeah, one that, that he drove, was, yeah. it was so up. frustrating at the time because it was sort of, you could, it was like watching a slow motion car crash because you could say, no, don't do it. And, the, and it was one of those ones where just, the ball's already over the boundary line. So it's of no value whatsoever, even the tackle. Um, and you know slippery conditions. It's funny because he, when I saw him in the VFL, he's looked like he's running all right. Actually, it doesn't look like pace is a problem. So that um, might be more of a th- yeah, more the, the pace I mean, of slippery bad conditions for yeah. yeah so um, and the pace of the twos probably isn't as quick as AFL. yeah. So I mean, if you compare him coming on, like it's probably a tough comparison. But um, you mentioned last week, Jordan uh, George Jordan came on and influenced the game straight away, didn't he? And looked clean, yep. even, you know, even though it was sort of only 15 minutes of footy time. Um, that wasn't the case for um, for Vanders, unfortunately. As you say, you know, he seems like a great fella and, um, um, you know, I love the way he tackles when he's not shoving someone's <laughs> yeah. face into the turf and giving away a free kick. But, um, it's hard, leaving that aside, it's hard to see where he fits and what role he fits because mm. he's not really a mid, a pure mid, not the way they play him. And he, they play him more as a high half forward, big um, marking thing. And it's a bit like you can't really have him and um, sort of Melksham in the same team. Just, you know, one provides a bit more pressure, but, you know, you can't have two sort of medium tall forwards in that way, I don't think, in our setup. So, Well, I'm just having a look. Melbourne posted a, a picture on, on Twitter or, or somewhere on social media of all the players are watching, the, the remaining players that weren't playing that are over there in Perth. They're in a, a, a corporate box or something watching the game. I'm just trying to find that picture. Uh, and now while I'm finding it, I can't find it at all. Of the, oh, here they are. So the players available um, that could have played, obviously, T-Mac couldn't play. The players that are there is Hibbard, uh, Majak Dor, Joel Smith, Chandler and um, Wiedemann. So do you think it was strange that we had um, uh, Vanders as the guy, the next one to come in for this particular game and the conditions? Would you maybe try someone else? Obviously, probably not... Uh, Majak, he's big, but um, well, he was a, the, the, I guess you don't know who's going to be injured. Uh, but he's the medical sub. I wouldn't yeah. have thought he's the most natural medical sub in the sense that he's not mm. particularly flexible where you play him. I would have thought of that lot. Um, Smith is the one that's the most sort of the player who you could play forward, you could play back, you could, you know. Um, he's not going back to the halfback flank, Vanders, is he? Um, mm. So... Um, you know, Smith, you could play him in. Uh, you could have directly swapped Smith for um, Hunt's role. Yeah, that's where he's played at Casey. So not that, obviously, they would have known that Hunt was being injured, but you could also play him forward in Nibbler's role as a pressure forward, if need be, or, you know, he, he would have seemed to have been a more flexible option. I suspect they wanted, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, they would give, you know, um, the tough conditions um, that they they were thinking. If we need a tough yeah, force to come on, he's he's our best bet. Yeah. 
All right, let's uh, move on. Jake Jake Bowie, uh, yeah, what an absolute find this kid is. Off the back of an impressive debut uh, last week, he's backed it up again. 21 possessions, 10 contested, 9 intercepts, 3 clearances. Most importantly, 81% disposal efficiency, efficiency on, a, on a wet night. He rarely wastes a kick, and if not for getting caught in that last, uh, costing, which cost us a goal, and he would have had the perfect second match. And in fairness to him, when watching the replay, there looked to be very little talk from his teammates around him, most notably Lever, uh, who was right there, and Kelly came out of nowhere, so you can't really fault him, um, I don't think. You can label it as a lack of awareness or whatever, because I would say this kid has a lot of awareness. Um, but uh, yeah, a bit of uh, hey, your heart, <laughs> kick it, uh, might have done well. Um, B man, it's fantastic, and I think we've talked about it um, a lot. Well, one thing is kicking, as you said, he's so neat, and um, you know, already I've got confidence when he's got ball in hand that he'll. Um, Make it, it's two things, isn't it? It's the technique to do what you want to do, but also making good decisions to, um, you know, which options to take. The other thing that, you know, we've banged on about is sort of footy IQ and he's got it. And there was early in the game, there was an occasion where I thought he was going to get run down from, you talk about awareness, I thought he was going to get run down from behind. Um, and he just must sense that the player was close and gave off a handball. Um, and I just thought in that moment, that's the sort of player who's, you know, it's hard to quantify what that is or even sort of nail it down, but that ability to know what's around you and, you know, make good decisions. So many players would have got run down and then turned the ball over. Um, he's clever, makes um, smart decisions. They're playing him in an interesting way. They're basically him and um, Salem are playing a very similar role. I would have thought George did. It's sort of he pushes up high and... Um, um, it looks like they've sort of almost got two Salem's. Is that how you've seen his, how they're using him? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly where he's being slated and slated for the future. Um, it gives you that half-back line, you know, f- certainly for the future, of Salem, Rivers and, and Bowie, uh, all great kicks. Um, yeah, that, that different kick. I mean, well, Salem yeah. and Bowie are quite similar, actually, but Trent Rivers, is he's um, damaging kick in terms of the depth and distance he gets. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. exactly what you want on the half-back line, people who are, who are high football IQs, can see, see options that others don't and are able to deliver. So, yeah, he, he will slot in nicely about that. I, I know that before you go on about Bowie, uh, George, uh, just on Rivers quickly while you said a big kick, I know there was a gale blowing, but he's shot for goal. Yeah. I don't think he got <laughs> yeah. it. It was a monster kick. Yeah, that went 70 metres, didn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. He kicked it from 50 and it cleared the um, Yeah, fence. well... <laughs> and he was only a point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, but back to Bowie. Um, uh, you know, you you mentioned the stats: nine intercepts. You know, it, it's it's easy to just look at the number, but Jake Lever took ten and May six and Salem four. Yeah, now, this is a, this is a guy in his second game for crying out loud. You know? And Rivers ten and, <laughs> and um, Petty eight. I mean, that's yeah. a defence that's working well. Isn't oh it? yeah, and. and it's just just beautiful to watch. And uh, Dazzle Davy, on if you look at the uh, Demonland uh, threads uh, in the in Jake Bowie um, thread itself, put up a rerun of the. There was a video of uh, the Melbourne um, selection team at the draft choosing who they choose at pick twenty one and twenty two, and it's li- interesting listening to Jason Taylor. Um, at that, and his comments all the, all along for both of those players were, "These are the best kicks 
available in the top 22, and they're also the ones who love football. So you'll get good workers out of these two guys. And if there's ever ever something that's coming to pass um, about Jason Taylor's um, insights into the players, it's certainly coming out in the proof that we're seeing with uh, Jake Bowie on the ground. And uh, we can only look forward to Bailey Laurie getting his chance as well. Tell you I've what, got a secret. I'm actually Jason Taylor. So. <laughs> uh, j- we just, both have pictures of good kicks on our um, posters on their wall. Yeah, that's all. We need good kicks. That's all I want. Draft good kicks. Yeah, and and like what's it. important yeah. is that the, what you just said about love their footy and love footy, and it will work hard. Like Jackson, like Cosy. Yeah, that's because right. I had a, I had a mate uh, went to school with who got drafted. Was the mo- nat- most naturally talented footballer I've ever seen. Hated footy, hated working hard. Obviously, didn't make it as a result, despite the talent. Yeah, you've got to love it. And then I think, I mean, that's a really interesting um, point, um, George, because Rivers is the same boat as well, isn't he? Mm. And that just enthusiasm from those younger guys, I think it's a really interesting thing for the D's this year that. Um, as I was talking about last week, we've got five players under 21. If you Petty's only 21, isn't he? Really close. So, you know, yep. Petty, yes. um, we've got four players in the team who are 19 now. Um, uh, so, and one 18. He's only 18, isn't he, um, Bowie? Uh, yes. So, it's, this is probably a good time to bring this up. Uh, someone just posted on Demon Land the, the, uh, the squad of 40 for the 22 under 22 has been released, and the D's have five uh, in the squad. Um, in for the defenders, Petty Rivers, uh, midfielders, uh, James Jordan, forwards, Cozzy Pickett, Rucks, Luke Jackson. Now, obviously, Bowie hasn't made it because he's been just so he'll get a rising star this week. Well, he no, he didn't get for this week. A poor player did, but I'm sure he'll get one in the remaining two games, provided he at least uh, gets half a dozen, 15 disposals. I'm sure he'll get it. Um, but yeah, uh, our young stocks. We've got are three. So uh, Andy, um, the favourite for the for the um, rising star is Luke Jackson. I'm spewing. I didn't back him earlier in the season, um, and. Um, We've got two others in the uh, Jordan and um, uh, who's the third? But we've got three in the top. Uh, not Rivers, I don't think he's. Um, or maybe he is. But we've got three in the top um, ten for betting. So uh, in that, it's like it's a solid sort of Jackson. So oh, sorry, I mentioned Jackson. So yeah, we've got some young players who are not just um, in there and sort of making a contribution. They're key players to write on all the three lines and. Um, you know, it really augurs well for the you know next few years. I reckon. I reckon. Of the, I don't know how many of these midfielders. Quite a lot of midfielders been named in this team, but I feel sorry for James Jordan because there's a lot of flashy names there. But I think yeah. James Jordan is up there, and I think he's so underrated by the rest of the AFL world. Uh, and that's fine because let him do his job and be a, a very important cog in, our, in this wheel that we're rolling on through September. Um, but, yeah, I feel sort of, you know, there's Walsh, uh, Chera, Brayshaw, Sarong, Lukosius, Anderson, James Warple, uh, Davies Uniaki, Shy Bolton, uh, Bailey Smith, and and there's a few others there, but uh, yeah, I bet you he doesn't uh, make it into the final squad. But who cares? It's a, it's a list in the end. So 
he's a ferocious tackler too, Jordan. He nailed. I didn't know who it was at first because he was sort of moving at speed, and there was a whole bunch of players around. And it come up, it was Jordan. Just completely nailed the uh, West Coast players. Um, he, you know, again, he seems like a kid who enjoys playing footy. But just on Bowie and the way they're using him as that sort of like. Um, I guess the other halfback flank to and playing a very similar role to um, Christian Salem is that it's interesting tactically. And I wonder whether one, obviously his kicking skills is something they want to um, in the team. And they've, he was a midfielder. He was never a defender as a junior by all accounts. So they've, they've trained him for this, this role. Uh, and um, I'm interested, George, what you, you're thinking in terms of other teams of putting time into Christian Salem now in, in recognition of how important he is to the way we move the ball from the half-back flank. I wonder if um, part of the thinking about um, bringing um, Bowie in is to um, it makes it more difficult. You say, sure, you can shut down uh, the influence of Christian Salem, but then what are you going to do with the fellow on the other half-back flank who's hitting targets and um, distributing up the wing and um, helping us transition it? So I wonder whether that was part of their thinking um, to sort of disrupt the sort of tactical work by other coaches. It's actually the... Um just the hallmark of a good team, isn't it? You can shut down one player, but there's always a second or a third um, coming up. And I think it's just that we are building a side, and this is what Goody's been talking about for the last couple of years. We are building a side to win finals. And um, being able to put someone in that slot like Bowie is just the next the next um, piece in the, in, the, in the big jigsaw. But, um, yeah, he's, he's certainly... Um, uh, an, a very nice piece, even after two games. Um, we're seeing similar sorts of things to other players on all around the ground. You know, uh, I think for the last couple of weeks, certainly the second half of the season, other other coaches have been telling everyone, "Do not kick it down the Langdon wing." And we saw it, saw it the same in this game. Uh, they were prepared to sacrifice Gaff, I think, certainly in the first quarter, um, just so that it didn't go down that side of the ground because they just know how damaging he is. And Bowie will be the same. They just know how damaging he is. They're doing it to Salem because they know how damaging they are. But they'll run out of play. They run out of players in the end that they've got to shut down. Yeah, and it sort of goes to the point we've made a few times this year, George, around when coaches do do things to disrupt us is that it comes at a cost. Um, mm. And I was amazed to hear the commentators talk about in the first quarter that they were, had one less forward um, uh, because they were tagging, um, using that player to tag um, Lever. Uh, sorry, Lever, yep. So yeah, I, I just thought that was a remarkable concession for, you know, that's a huge thing to do, to give up one of your forwards. And they're not particularly strong on the ground up there, although they, you know, they actually were um, much better than they have been all year. Um, because of the, they played with the ferocity intensity, that was why they were able to overcome it. But that was a huge gamble to drop a forward out of your forward line to, to disrupt us. Um, and we still ended up 20, you know, 14 points up at the end of the first quarter. Um, yes. And it, it and it didn't work either. And it didn't work. It shows so that yeah. Simpson's so out of ideas. Like, sorry, Andy. I think it just shows Simpson's out of ideas, and he's heard that oh, you know, other teams are you know potentially trying to you know man up on, on Lever. Uh, I'll do the same. Yeah, yeah, and it's more that like sure you can do that, and you can put a defensive mid on it. But Sydney did a similar thing too. Remember they tried to chop him out, and you end up sac- sacrifice a bit, and you it's almost a concession. If you are you know it's a different thing to making a tactical thing like you're gonna um, maybe tag 
liver in a different way or um, but if you had changed the way you play in order to try and negate an, an opposition strength well it's sort of the opposition's already in front of the ball game uh, let's move on. Uh, uh, our back line. You already mentioned the stats that I um, said, and we won't uh, we won't go into too much. Lever ten intercepts. Rivers ten. Bowie nine. Petty eight. Uh, six to May and Lever ten spoils May and Petty six. I just wanted to. We don't need to talk about all those guys, but I wanted to highlight once again Petty's breakout year earlier in the year. You know, we were celebrating our three-headed dragon in defence uh, and then we lamented the slaying of one of the heads of the dragon when Adam Tomlinson went down with his knee injury. Um, but this reptile was able to regrow one of its heads in the form of Harrison Petty and his confidence has grown every week and in turn my confidence in him. I, I really love this guy and he, he's a solid part of the team. I can't imagine the, the back line without him now and it'll be interesting to see what happens next year when Tomlinson's back. I know that's slightly different uh, players, um, but Petty has slotted in very nicely. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought he wasn't part of this uh, original lineup. When when you were talking before about the uh, players under the age of 22, we forgot all about him, didn't we? Um, he's um, he he is something very special again, and boy, he's, he's as you, as you've just said, he's he just slots in beautifully with the rest of the side. He knows his role, he knows when to go for the punch, he knows when to go for the mark. Um, once again, it's it's just become so hard for the opposition when you've got players like him playing alongside the Levers and May. You can go to one, you've got a couple of big forwards, um, but you can't cover the whole lot of them. It, it, it just becomes so difficult for them. Um, I think West Coast in this particular game were were lucky in the sense that um, they had Darling and they had um, Kennedy who were able to kick goals and take timely marks when they did or get timely free kicks. Um <laughs> Because the rest, the, our defence didn't fail. It was only these occasional um, capabilities that that they've got or gifts that they were given, and most of them, as it turned out, were from a, a fair distance out. Um, you, know, you don't expect players like uh, Kennedy um, to be kicking in conditions like that from well outside fifty. Cripps did the same. Um, so yeah, they they took full advantage of, of of their opportunities, but they weren't given too many by the defence. He's got good hands, hasn't he? That he yeah. took a mark. I think it was even the opening minute of play, where they were attacking and read it beautifully. He backs himself um, as well. He backs himself, takes clean marks. I watched um, uh, the Geelong um, Giants game, and Taylor looks a gun, and he reminds me a lot of well, Petty reminds me a lot of Taylor, whichever way you go. Um, reads the ball quickly. They, um, he killed Hawkins, and part of it was that he didn't get involved in a wrestling match with him. Um, and ran off him at every opportunity, but just seemed to, you know, the Giants did a great job of putting pressure on that kick inside 50, so, uh, you know, um, Hawkins couldn't get it how he likes to, you know, on top of his head to outmuscle his opponent. Um, and Taylor just seemed to read it so well and have the courage to go for it and then ran off him. And it made me think, you know, if we play Geelong again, um, that, uh, well, we will be playing again. We will be. Into weeks and top of the head already to finals. Um, <laughs> that they could, instead of, you know, having May, who would be the obvious one, who we have played on him, and we played Tomlinson on him uh, early, and then May moved to him once Tomlinson, um, oh, sorry, the other way around. Um, once May got injured, Tomlinson went to him. So logic would suggest that Tomlinson would 
you know, sorry, May would be the player most likely to go to them. But you reckon there'd be a chance that Petty could play um, him in the same sort of way uh, as Taylor did and um, take advantage of his ability to be aggressive and intercept. And um, as you say, I think you hit nail on the head. He backs himself. He's confident. He goes for it. And then suddenly you've got, you know, it, it, 100% as George says, sure, you've shut down Lever. But then you've got um, Petty who's intercept marking. Um, and you don't really shut down May because he's sort of shutting down someone else. So, um, yeah, I, 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 he'll, my tip is he'll be an All-Australian defender before um, he sort of hits 25, 26. Yeah. Um, I was going to talk about the umpiring next. I think we've covered it. I was disgusted by the uh, the last uh, 10 minutes, but all up, we, I think they had plus 10 or 11 free kicks on the night, so I don't need to go into that. It'll just make me angrier uh, than I need to be on a Tuesday night. Um, One positive, though, on that was that that non-50 against Petty, oh, speaking yeah. of Petty. Yeah. That, that was, was my last was point there. <laughs> That was awesome. I was just thinking, yeah, that's just great. He's like trolling all of those wet sort of fearful of electricity um, Eagles fans that, um, because it was 50. But I like the way Petty had it between his feet and he just wasn't going to call it. That was the best non-decision that I've seen this year. And look, you said something about uh, there's no stats for freeze not paid. Uh, you know, they don't supply that. I think I'm going to start, um, yeah, start, start uh, keeping a tally. Um, yeah. on that um, and anyway I'll move on uh, inaccuracy again the bane of my existence at the moment we kicked some lovely goals this week but uh, boy oh boy uh, we needed some clutch steadiers in the last uh, even before the break we had a couple um, es- yep yeah. especially from Setchel we couldn't hit the side of Barn Fritch missed everything Jackson missed a sitter track missed from close or beta he was on a tight angle but he probably should have check sided it instead of trying to kick a straight kick through a you know, through a small angle um Max was missed earlier in the game we, you know, we can't afford to miss these easy set shots uh, in the pressure of finals we need to be nailing every single opportunity and it could cost us big time and this as an, as I said has not a week uh it's not just this week, it's been a number of weeks throughout the whole year. Um, I'm sick of it. What do we, what do, we do about it, though, Andy? I don't know. There was an interesting suggestion on Demon Land today as far as Max. Um, they said he should kick it left foot uh, <laughs> because the right foot is completely useless um, in terms of your ability to kick in a straight line. But, but even in this game, there were a number of occasions where he came out of the centre with his left foot and he kicks it kicks it brilliantly so um maybe he should be trying that with his set shots instead of the right foot look i'm um, sure they kick them at training when they're practicing uh, so. yeah you, you i said last so. week it might be mental yeah you, you would think so but um unfortunately you know in terms of max's right foot kicking for goal um he is consistent with that swinging action again the commentators i think were had actually picked up uh in this as well as soon as I saw it, it was the same coming back to what Bin Man said last. Why is he spinning that ball around? Mm. Um, you should be holding the ball still over the ki- over the um, kicking foot and just being deliberate. You've only got to look at Ben Brown, how accurate he is, because he has the same technique, the same reliable technique as what uh, other great goal kickers have, and none of them spin the ball around. So uh, maybe you should be following the same same technique. And an example, it's... Tough for a tall player, a player that tall, like that sort of exacerbates that technique because it's harder to get the ball on the foot. But Mason Cox, 
is about the same height as Max, I reckon, maybe yep. even taller. Yeah. Um, he's a an American who's come in and learnt the game from scratch, and he is a beautiful set shot for goal. And for exactly the reason you just said, George, he just puts it directly in a straight line from down to his foot. Um, and he's, you know, he'd probably be one of the most accurate set shot kicks in the AFL, I reckon, in terms of his stats. Um, and I don't know why Max Gorn, well, he's, maybe it's just too late in his career to do to learn it, but, well, geez, I'd love for him to go away over summer. What about he, Go ahead. Right, he, I mean, imagine how much more damaging a player he would be if he was more accurate. Mm. What about two-metre Peter? Do you see him on the weekend? Seven yeah, goals yeah. and he's two metres, as so, his yeah. name suggests. Yeah, the same same thing with him though. His technique is absolutely straightforward. There's nothing. He's he's not wobbling around. He's not trying to do all these funny things. Just drop the ball straight onto the foot, um, and don't move the ball. And don't move the ball. Yeah, <laughs> if you yeah. can. I mean, yeah. the other one, Kennedy's. I, I really uh, think Kennedy's a fantastic footballer, a real old school footballer. Mark yep. he took was terrific. The contested mark, but he's even though he's got that funny skip the way he runs. If you watch the ball, it does not move and no. um, it goes directly onto his boot. Um, and funnily enough, that one, I don't know how it went through. It seemed to arc like a boomerang. Um, mm, but, did. yeah, he, I mean, he's – that's same with Darling. He's also got an excellent set shot. Yeah. I was thinking the other day, um, remember the uh, Luke Shuey goal that uh, killed Collingwood to, to win a premiership? Um, which one of our midfielders would you like in the same situation? Uh, it wasn't Shuey, was it? It was, um, do you mean on the, from the boundary? Dom Sheed. Dom Sheed, sorry. Speed, yeah. 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 Which, which one of our midfielders would you like doing in the same situation? Not not not, not <laughs> Oliver, <laughs> not Viney, not Petrarca, not Harms. Yeah. Um, not, Ma- not, not Max. Not Max. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does that tell you something? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like yeah, Oliver so kicked one the other week from a set shot, but he's missed so many more during the year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, unfortunately, in that case, that was what won a premiership, and uh, yeah. and that's what finals are all about. We would have you know, put that that on the full, <laughs> that would yeah, have gone on yeah. the full on the other side. Yeah. Um, Petraka kicked a beautiful. That kick was straight as an arrow. That one he got from Nibbler was a big yeah. booming oh, kick. No step. Did yeah, not one step, no step, whatever. It didn't deviate. Yeah. But if he was having a set shot, he would not have kicked that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's weird because he, um, in his first season after his knee injury, he was really accurate. And he, I, I'm sure, maybe I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, I'm sure my, my in my mind he had a much more economical um, sort of run-up and fewer steps and less certainly less movement of the ball in his hand as he was coming in and spinning the ball. And, um, yeah, so... Uh, let's preview the all the changes for Adelaide. Uh, I guess it one depends on Tom back whether he's back. Um, obviously, Hunt will be out. I would assume, uh, barring a miracle. So maybe who comes in for Hunt? Who goes out for T Mac if T Mac's ready? Uh, B Man, you want to take that? Uh, yeah, or, it's or your choice. Would they, well, five days. I wonder whether they'll um... game is on Sunday at two ten. Has that been announced? Yes, so they've today. got you know, it does make me wonder whether there's they might actually rest a couple of players. You know, it's uh, been a bit of weeks. Another uh, thing, uh, just quickly, uh, the Adelaide Ruckman O'Brien is out. Oh, wow, that's a big one. Yeah, mm, so they, they have no they have no second ruck. 
So does that change your your thoughts? My, I thought I just did. The press was interesting, and um, um, the good ones a lot more relaxed in the presses. But I think it's probably helped because it's on Zoom, and uh, you know he probably hasn't got that crew of people in front of him staring at him. Um, but he sort of he was asked about Tom, Tom McDonald coming back, and the sort of answer was a bit funny in terms of you know he talked about not having a tall at all, and I wonder whether they'll give um, Tommy Mack the week off and not bring in Wiedemann and go with a smaller. Uh, forward line again just for you know to get some run into those players that they might want to be ready for the final so you know what do you do with captain jack so does he go out he didn't have a really strong game but maybe they want to get game time into him um jordan what happens with jordan um so it'll be interesting at selection this week you know the pattern's been no change as much as possible hasn't it so someone's got to come in for the run of hunt do we do bring a a, a hibbert back he would, yeah, I mean, he would have dropped off, but mm. yeah, he would be the logical um, person for Hunt. But um, you know, with Bowie in there, do you, you've got a bit of run off that halfback flank. You've got, um, you know, pro- but you're right, Hibbert's probably the logical one. That's that was the the way he used to play before, sort of moving to a more of a lockdown role this season. Um, he looked a bit, he looked a bit slow, but again, that might be that loading stuff. Um, I can't think of another player. Um, who would sort of slot in on that halfback line? Maybe um, oh, I can never remember his name. The 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 small back. He's not really a run and carry. Um, um, I'll think of his name in a sec. For us, yeah, um, the player that we sort of always thought would replace Jetta. Oh, uh, Lockhart. Yeah, Lockhart, but he's not really a run and gun sort of player, is he? So what's happened to him? He's. Uh... He just couldn't well, get they, back in. Yeah, he was. He played the last game at Casey, but um, you know that was a couple of weeks ago now, and um, he certainly wasn't on the plane uh, to Perth. No, so no, no. the more likely one would have been Smith, but I'd, I don't. Yeah, I, Smith, I don't, oh, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think you want to be bringing Smith in two games out from the season, uh, from the end of the season, sort of thing. The lead up to finals. Um, it's going, but it is going to be interesting as to what they do. You might be right, Bin Man, that they'll. Um, uh, not essentially make any changes because, you know, uh, do you do you leave Melcham in this week? Do you leave Jordan in? Um, yeah. Do you will. leave Vandenberg in or not? Um, based on that game, he probably wouldn't. Um, yeah. It's really tricky not having the VFL game because yeah. where does it leave a player like Jones yeah. to sort of get some match fitness? You know, do you bring him in? I can't see them giving Vandenberg another game. Might be wrong, no, but um, no, I can't know, Jordan will stay in. So yeah, I, I only thought Jones would be a possible as a medi sub leading in, simply yeah. because you you keep Jordan into the side, you drop Vandenberg because he hasn't shown anything. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, if they knew the lockdown was coming, I'm sure they would have taken Jones to Perth. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they want presumably they wanted him um, oh, here the, to the, get some game time. Yeah, they couldn't couldn't actually. I don't think they could actually get him in with the original plans of. Yeah, uh, right. they were originally planning to fly from Brisbane directly to Perth. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, that's that was stymied. But yeah, it's going to be a difficult decision this week, um, uh, particularly with with Adelaide. Um, yeah, we'll t- talk about that one oh, now. Go talk about that now. Go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, if O'Brien's not available, they, definitely got, not. That, that was announced yeah, today. Yeah, right. They've got no one in the ruck. I, I can't remember who their second possibility was. Um, yeah, anyhow, uh, they've got no crouch. Um, Tex Walker's out. Um, uh, 
But what was interesting, uh, I watched the game against Port. They played exactly, uh, Adelaide played exactly the same way that they played uh, against us earlier in the season. That was just to turn it into a scrap. And I think that's the danger for us um, going into this game. If we get our skills um, on full display, we will rip them apart. Um, but if if they um, manage to slow it up and, and turn it into a scrap, we might fin- find ourselves in the same situation as Port did. Now, Port won the game eventually by 19 points, only after some brilliant efforts by you know, the, the Butters and the Rosies and, and people like that. But they were they were down ten points going into the last quarter, um, so um, yeah, they 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 they've they've got some real capability to to bring us down to their level sort of thing. So, but we don't want to fall for that. Uh, they have they brought Lynch back into the side, who while the, while he's announced his retirement at the end of the season, he's the sort of um, uh, uh, winger who they consistently go through, and he delivers beautifully up into their forward line. Um, they, they struggle for forwards, particularly uh, without Tex up there. Fogarty was thrown down there this week, and he's a big, strong player, but I think we've got the cover players to, to certainly cover him. But, um, yeah, we don't want to, like we have done in a couple of games, taking the, taking this as too easy. They're away from home, um, but they, they can drag it out of their level pretty quickly, and we don't want to see that happen. The, in the When they beat us... You're right, they, they played a good brand of contested footy in that game, but they really attacked through the corridor and it mm. was our lack of sort of defensive spread that allowed them to get some looks through the centre. Um, you know, if they try that again, there's a good chance we'll swamp them. Um, so you're right, George, their best sort of, I guess their best bet to beat us is to make it a scrap. Um, I think you're also right, it was a good point at, I reckon it was great that we had a really good competitive hit out against um, um, West Coast. So to, that you need that coming into the finals, I think. Um, you need to sort of um, to have those competitive juices flowing and um, a tough game. Not to say this one won't be, but it won't be in front of a crowd, so it won't have that intensity. Um, I'm just hoping that we get away. I'd be more than happy with 3-4 goal win. I, you know, they... I, I, can't see them coming out with the same sort of energy um, that they did against um, the Suns and crush them. It's sort of now, it, it's interesting, isn't it, with the run into the, the finals is that, you know, for all of the concerns about the losses, it, it's come to naught, hasn't it? Doesn't mm. we're, we're locked in top four. didn't matter that Collingwood beat us, uh, you know, exactly as we're talking about. It didn't matter that uh, we got a draw against West, uh, sorry, Hawthorne. didn't matter that um, Giants beat us. I might have something to say about that in a moment. Uh, so, so continue. You know, I hope your your um your doomsday scenario. Oh yeah, is, just wait. <laughs> it's coming up. Whether it factors in my concerns about finishing top, given what I was saying last week about eight of the ten, um, uh, only one in the last ten years has uh, flagged being one from top, and eight of ten have been um, in that first qualifying final. For but the that's second. psychological. It doesn't. What does it matter if you finish yeah. top or second? I don't. Well, think I reckon there might be something in it because as I was saying last week, yeah, well, that's often a what happens is one v four is the least competitive of the matches, and that's not great preparation for a cutthroat um, must-win prelim. That's mate. That's possibly part of the the, the um, thinking but it depends who we play if we if and we'll talk about this in a minute uh, if you want to continue talking about Adelaide the Adelaide game but uh, if we play port maybe that can in Melbourne that might be can see seen as 
non-competitive, but if we end up playing Geelong or Bulldogs, that's a different story. Well, in from first position. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, the from first position. Uh, yeah, well, I guess it depends what happens. That's true. Yeah. That's and true. I'll go through that in minutes, though. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, I don't know about you, George and Andy. I'm the. I, I, I'd be happy with three, four goal win. Um, we want to win, though. We mm. we don't want to have a slip up at this stage. We want to keep the momentum going. You, you want to come into the finals winning. We're at least winning this match. It'll be really interesting. You know, I know we're jumping ahead a week, but how they play the Geelong game because in terms of there's no way that they're going to show all their hand uh, no. tactically or effort or, pa- you know. Particularly because there's a high percentage, I've posted it somewhere today, that we'll be playing them two weeks in a row. So we'll be playing them the next week. Yeah. So um, not that we will, all. but that's the highest percentage. Yeah, there'll be lots of ducks and drakes in that game and almost the result, because it's down there at Cadenia Park, will be meaningless in some respects. Um, but having said that, you, having said that, you need to win the game because um, nightmare scenario, doomsday scenario could be... Anyway, continue. <laughs> so, I, I mean, in terms of the preview for this game, it, you know, I think that we'll our system, we'll just go back to our system. question will be how much pressure, if we bring the sort of pressure that we brought um, in the first quarter of this game and the first quarter of um, the last game, um, the um, Suns game, then, you know, we get that wave going and that run and that swarm go, well, we'll crush them. Um, and if they match us and we still do it, we'll crush them at some point. Um, so, you know, the way I see it going is, is you know, getting a, a lead, getting a four or five goal lead, hopefully kicking accurately. I haven't checked the weather forecast yet. So hopefully weather's not a factor. Um, you know, getting a four or five goal lead, and if it's a pattern of the way we're played, we're probably going to be happy with a four or five goal win. And, and you'd think also that um, in a game like this, here is the opportunity for those players that we talked about who are maybe they're in the in the team or not. Yeah. You're two weeks out from the finals or a week out from the the finals, you really want to put on a, a great personal dis, uh, display. So, uh, yeah, you really need to show it in this game. You can't afford to be coasting because someone else will come in and take your position. Yeah, and on the flip, this is a classic setup for Adelaide. Have got all of the coming to the end of a long season. They're not making finals. All of their players are, you know, already thinking about postseason. Some are already probably gone into surgery. Um, you know, you've got the whole Tex Walker. Um, nightmare for the club and you know all of that stuff that you know obviously distraction for them you know there's a lot there's not much on the table for, for those teams and exactly as I say George but there's players who are playing for their opportunity to play in the um, uh, finals so um, I mean a remarkable thing for me this year is the sort of discussion around who's going to finish eighth it just feels so weird that we're not involved yeah. in that. Oh, um, thank you know, God. It's like a look back and go, oh, God, those, the, you know, they're fighting for crumbs back there and for eighth, you know, but almost every other year I would have worked out all the permutations by now and who could have, what we need to have happen. And Well, positions seventh and eighth are wide open according to the AFL Live Ladder um, Twitter account. Uh, uh, 56%. Uh, wait, so this is uh, seventh and eight are wide open. Who's going to make the AFL finals? 84% chance winner of uh, the Giants Tigers on Friday night will make whoever wins that will make it. But at the moment, Richmond are a 56% chance, West Coast 44% chance, GWS 39, 
Essendon 33, St Kilda 15, Fremantle 12, Carlton 1% chance. Um, there are still at least 3,700 possible final eights. 3,700 possible final eights. The most likely permutation with a 3% chance uh, is Melbourne, Western Bulldogs, Geelong, Port Adelaide, Brisbane, Sydney, Richmond, West Coast. So Melbourne, Western Three. Bulldogs, Geelong, Port, Brisbane, Sydney, Richmond, West Coast. That That's maths. Three. 3%. 3% chance. <laughs> And well, Andy, with, with those sort of stats, we, we have to hear about your run right. home. So would you like – I'll ask you. I was going to ask you at the end. What, what's, what is your preference for, for us to play first up in a final? Uh, where, what, where can, who, when? I, can, I, I don't care about all the others. We're going to be playing top four. Yep. I what I don't want is us having to play Port Adelaide in Adelaide. That's the doomsday scenario, so don't yep. jump ahead of yourself. Who do you want to play? <laughs> do you want? Would you prefer to play Port in Melbourne, no crowds? Port in Tasmania or West Coast or Brisbane? Port anywhere, crowds? anywhere but Port Adelaide. Okay. I, 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 I mean, the problem with I want to play Geelong, yeah, because I think our game, the Port Adelaide are a team that can win. A given match if they get up and about. They've got the talent and they've got the pace. If they catch you, they score and get on a roll. They can they can they're a team that can do that. Cats can too, but I just think our game plan um, really takes their strengths away. Whereas it doesn't really so much for Port. I think we do a really good job of you know, we match up well against them. I think we're a better team and we've got a, a, a defensive system that really negates their 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 strength, which is the way they've set up their forward line and um, um, but Cats, I just think that our way of playing is kryptonite for them because, you know, they love to chip it around and move it around and move the team around. Um, and, you know, the way the Giants played them is exactly how we would play them. We've got a better defensive system than the Giants and, a bit, and we've got a better zone, but the same deal. High pressure in their face. You know, the Cats just couldn't transfer the ball away, you know, control the tempo the way they like to do it. And then, and once that you take that away from them, they can't isolate Hawkins and they rely so much on getting the ball into him one-on-one. So they do that either by really quick sort of movement once they do, they rebound off the halfback flank with an intercept marking. They, Giants took that completely away through, from them predominantly because of pressure on that last kick inside 50. Or they chip it around until they orchestrate a sort of a chink in the armour and then they move it up and, you know, they've got those set plays where Hawkins lead into a lane. Giants just took that away from them. We will too. Um, so I, my preference would be to play the Cats at the MCG um, first first week of the finals. Uh, but you're not factoring in um, Cameron uh, playing in that ah, team. Cameron, Cameron, he's bloody still out injured. All right, know. but he'll likely be yeah, back. I mean, it's same setup as um, you know, two talls, three talls. That's fine. But, you know, we make it crowded back there. They need space those players to move into. No one takes many, you know, contested marks are really rare against um, all in AFL right across the board. They're even rare against, uh, rarer against us. So, you know, he's a good footballer, don't get me wrong, but uh, he doesn't hold really major concerns. Um, there's still a possibility that we will play uh, Geelong three times before this season has finished, as in the 
home and away and finals. If that's the case, then I'd be fairly happy. <laughs> my, my theory would be have plenty of opportunities to be tested then. So Either way, even if, if we lose in round 23, if we win in round 23, there are quite uh, good possibilities that we'll play them through. If, if we then play them in that first week of finals, then we can then play them again in the grand final, depending on how things work out. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. So we've locked in a top four berth. We can't be dislodged. Uh, but there's still that one doomsday scenario that can play out that we don't want to occur. I certainly don't want to occur. George, you just said you don't want it to occur. And ironically, if this scenario were to occur, uh, a loss in our match against the Hawks instead of a draw would have been preferable because then we could have avoided it. Um, now, I know there have been upsets galore since I made my 600 permutations and predictions using the AFL ladder predictor in our mid-season review, um, and not one of them put us on top of the ladder with two rounds to go, with the exception of my dream time scenario, which had us winning uh, every game, but even that didn't pan out. Um, so this week, every so if, this, if in this week, this round 22, everything goes to plan, we beat the Crows because how could we ever lose to a bottom four team? Because <laughs> good teams don't. Yes, the Cats <laughs> beat the Saints because how could St Kilda do anything unpredictable this year? Uh, the Bulldogs beat the Hawks because the Hawks haven't upset anyone this year. And, and Port expectedly beat the Blues because uh, teams with coaches sort of hanging by a thread or playing their final matches or, or even teams with a caretaker coach, because it's still early in the week, anything can happen, they never shockingly beat a team. Um, so, okay, we're going to go with the expected scenario happened this week and, and all the top four teams, the current four top teams, are going to win their matches going into the final round. All right? So round 23, it's simple. We win, then we're on top. Case closed, easy peasy. Uh, nothing is ever easy peasy at Demonland. Um, I'm not sure how many times this has happened in history of the AFL, but I'm betting it's not that often that the top four all play each other in the final round. I mean, that wouldn't happen that often. Um, so here's my doomsday scenario. We lose to the Cats. Port beats the Dogs at Marvel. Cats finish first. Port finish second. We finish third. Bulldogs finish fourth. That means we play port in port. We're off to port in front of a hostile crowd for the first final. We don't want that to happen at all. Uh, I bet B-Man you'll say uh, that that's not a problem. We beat them there once and we'll beat them there again. Anytime, anywhere. Is that right, B-Man? And our game plan, you know, matches (laughs) up really well against them. So, But, of course, that wouldn't be our optimal um, option. No, because you don't want to lose. I mean, I mean... We don't want to play in Adelaide if we can avoid it. Exactly. Um, There is another nightmare scenario that he's having to play Geelong in Geelong twice. And even more of a nightmare scenario would be being forced to play Geelong in Geelong as a home final, um, Mm -hmm. as our home final, mind you, in Geelong. Um, That would be a killer. But I'm I'm sure we would, you know... um, we would be able to ask for it to be. I'd have that in Brisbane um, or anywhere else, uh, Tasmania, if we have to, because they probably never have to travel there. Um, but the perfect scenario now is to finish top and play Port at the G. No crowds, low crowds, whatever. Um, if games, and I said, yeah, well, I asked you that where you would like to play. Um, so that's that. Um, I. It's the run home. I reckon. If we will win this week, and I personally wouldn't be 
totally feel terrible if we lost to Geelong the next week because then we would finish likely finish third and they finished second, and we played them in that first final. Yeah, because it's like, look, I think Bulldogs, We look, anything can happen. We saw Bulldogs lose to Essendon, but they should be Port at Marvel. Yeah. So if that happens, we lose to, we beat, as long as we beat um, Adelaide this week, if if uh, the Dogs beat Port and we lose to uh, Geelong, we'll then play Geelong again the next week. Yeah, and that would be, you know, that I, I th- that. I'd be happy with that. Hat, although in Geelong said, again, yeah, Geelong. We play Geelong. They beat us in a low scoring, you know, in a tight match. But we don't play all of our cards, and we come out the following week and just smash them. That's that's how I want it to roll. Do you think that well, game? I will don't be... really want us to get beaten. I no, no, I know, I understand. But do you think we'll play Geelong in Geelong? Do you think the AFL will throw no, them a bone? Because no, I don't no. think there are going to be crowds in Melbourne, or extremely low if there is. Well, you couldn't play. You know, they won't. They can't do that. They'll. I'd rather play them in Perth because you can't give the team that. Well, it depends if they finish second. I guess. Well, no. Well, yeah. I'm saying if they're the home team. Yeah, I don't know. That's a yeah. They, I could see that happening. That it's a bit of a doomsday scenario. <laughs> <laughs> play them twice in two weeks in a row at Cadinia Park. Yeah. That is like, that doesn't bear thinking about. So the now good, I've got a headache. Good. <laughs> The good news is that there was a COVID case in Geelong today. Well, yeah. we won't say any COVID cases are good news. I heard it was in Lara and they had been uh, that, quarantining that, during the entire infectious period. So yeah, that that's, that's, close, that's close enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, funnily enough, I mean, I guess it would be pretty hard for the AFL to push back if there were no crowds at um, the G allowed, but there was crowds allowed at Cadinia Park, and even if it was only fifteen thousand, imagine the bloody Geelong advertiser. Well, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be able to go to that game anyway, even if we could get a ticket, because we probably at that stage, depending on lockdown, whatever, (laughs) can't travel five kilometres. It would all be Geelong supporters. One week at a time, Andy. Yep. This ladder, they've got to get rid of the ladder predictor. You should they've be able to, to opt out. For your sake, yeah, I've yeah, got to opt yeah, out of it. Not I, good for you, Andy. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but we, we've made top four. There's none of this worrying about the top eight and worrying about other teams. Uh, it's simple I, for I us. Think, Andy, win. you need to get an audio clip of George saying a few weeks ago, "Look, forget all of that. You've just got to win what's in front of you." So this week, let's beat Adelaide and then work out how we're going to progress the following week. Then I think back to when we played, if we just beaten Adelaide when we played them, if we had just beaten Hawthorne, that extra two points. I mean, that was any six other. points clear on top of the ladder. You know, what Collingwood, all those guys, we would have been laughing all the way to the finals. Uh, did any of you guys receive your uh, mail out from the club? Uh, uh, Telling Not us a, that we yeah, paid for no, no, we didn't. We, did, we didn't get one. I'm still waiting for the uh, one from 2018. Um, <laughs> I think that will get a. Um, oh, my cricket sounds has gone. All right. Um, anything? <laughs> anything else, boys? <laughs> no, I just. Uh, I'm not even going to think of a ladder predictor again. But <laughs> well, there is also a finals predictor as well. You can go through all weeks of the finals and. Um, that one, that one's a doozy as well. Maybe next week we can yeah, uh, well, we can dip our feet into and imagine what uh, what the run uh, into finals. Uh, no, you know, we'll know a bit more. We'll have a bit more data yeah, to input into our 
And then, uh, because look, these upsets can happen and it can change everything. So, yeah. Let's see what happens. All right, boys. Thank you, big man. Thank you, George. Uh, We'll be back next week. Go, Demons. Go, Red Legs. Come on, demons. Come on, demons.